0: Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to
1: providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the
0: next level,
1: where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida.
2: Alright, bang bang, what is up to my Goalie Hacks community members, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, as always, and it seems like some people are finally... Uh, starting to return to play you know you're seeing some pro leagues start back up minor hockey leagues junior leagues and uh, you know obviously uh, not everyone but yet but really great to just you know some uh, see some people getting back at it and for those still waiting um, I don't think that you're, you're that far away right numbers starting to drop everywhere which is you know obviously not just great for hockey but but public safety uh, uh, public health and safety right and, and now we can kind of get back down to business with our careers, so um, you know, hope you guys didn't staying with it. Like I've been saying on the podcast and I, and I hope the podcasts have have helped you guys kind of keep your head in it as well. I know that, you know, if you're if you're filling your mind with that good, that good energy, those good thoughts, keeping your head in it, you know, you're going to be way ahead than everybody that just kind of been playing video games, not really listening to anything because uh, it's something I've been talking about with with my mentorship students is like you got to understand that those cues that you develop in your head, those all those neurons that you build in your brain if you're not exercising them on a daily basis, they do fade, they get weaker, they go away. So if you're not doing any type of like even just visualizing or even listening to the podcast and thinking about the game at all, you know, those connections are going to get a lot weaker. And then when you return to play, you're going to feel like a deer in the headlights and you're going to be wondering why. So um, wherever you're at, you know, just start moving forward again because I I, I don't see this. uh, I don't see this. The stoppage is going on uh, uh, too much longer. And let's just keep our fingers crossed that that, that stays true. But um, for today, you know, we also have a, a, an amazing interview. And I, and I kind of saved this one for this week. And that's with Rob Liddell, one of the most well-known leaders in the goalie community. And I'm super pumped to, to have him on today. And we died into what separates elite goaltenders from everyone else at each level from the NHL down all the way to minor hockey, his personal coaching philosophy and how it's changed the past few years, and what exactly kids should be focusing on at home to help them get ready to transition to the next level. And this was probably one of the, uh, uh, probably one of the most naturally flowing conversations we've had on the show yet. And uh, Rob and I dive deep into just several several different hot topics, and uh, we get to the bottom of, of what goalies truly need to be successful at the next level. And a bit of a longer conversation, but you know we both had a blast, and uh, having the opportunity to have Rob in the studio, I knew we we had to make it count, and, and he did not fail to this point. So make sure to stick around to the end of the show for all his goalie hacks he's serving up today. But if you guys don't know yet, by the way, we do giveaway, uh, we do a giveaway for the podcast every month. And uh, we give away something to four winners. So if you're interested in being entered into every single giveaway we do for the show ever, and that means even if you don't win one month, that's right. You automatically get entered into the next month's draw over and over and over again. You don't have to do anything. I got your name and stuff. So, uh, So if you're interested in winning free stuff, I'm sure everybody is, then make sure to stick around right to the end of the episode to get the full giveaway details on how to get started today. And we haven't done... Our giveaway yet for the uh, the month of December or January. So what I'm going to do is at the end of February, I'm going to draw eight winners. So big, big opportunity here for uh, a lot of people to get back on in the W column on the giveaways. Um, so make sure to, to stick around at the end of the episode to get all those details on how to enter into our monthly giveaway. And another announcement that I will be, uh, you know, uh, recording another goalie hack solo Q&A segment soon. So if you haven't heard our other Q&A segment on the show, it was released around episode 26 and uh, the way it works is you guys head to speakpipe.com slash goaliehacks. And uh, the link is also my bio on uh, on Instagram as well, but pretty simple URL. And with a click of the button, you can simply record your clip saying your name, where you're from, and your question to, to have an opportunity to be featured on the show. And that's right. If you submit your question, you have a chance for your whole clip to be included in the Q&A episode to give you guys a feature and uh, this was just a great success last time. I, I had a, a lot of fun, you know, featuring a lot of my students. And um, you know, we already have a couple questions in queue already from before that I opted out to to not use. Uh, but we still need a few more. So if you want your question, you know, if you're a frequent listener on the show, if you frequently want to connect with me or ask me something personally, you know, this is a big opportunity for you guys to to get your question out there and also, you know, get on the show if you guys are a frequent listener. So if you want your question answered directly by me. If you want to be featured, then just head to speakpipe.com slash goaliehacks to send you your clip and question today. Without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat Rob and I had today. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast and I'm pumped to be joined today by another prominent leader in the online goalie community, the founder of MyCrease Goaltending and the director of goaltending for the Rolston Hockey Academy, Rob Liddell. And Rob operates out of the greater metro Detroit area and was a goalie coach for the Brookings Blizzards in the NHL in 2018. And as of recently, the past few seasons has been the director of goaltending for the entire Detroit Little Caesars AAA organization, uh, which is known as one of the best AAA hockey programs to attend in the entire country, as well as being the goalie coach for the Birmingham Brother Rice High School team. And he's very well known and respected in the goalie community, and I couldn't be happier to have him on today to chat about some goaltending development rob how you doing buddy thanks for coming on the show
1: man i'm good man thanks a lot for having me really appreciate it
2: yeah yeah right on well great we're great to have you on the show and i've seen a lot of your work from afar obviously and uh you know just want to say excellent job and and thank you for for everything that you do for the goalie community i actually had uh justin goldman and jack hardigan on the show earlier uh, uh last year and they both mentioned that you were really good buddies and that you uh You did excellent work and that I should get you on. And ever since I knew I needed to find a way to to get you on. So happy to connect uh, last week and happy to get you on here, man.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, thanks for the kind words. And obviously, Jack and and Justin are awesome people. I got to know um, them pretty well through the GGR the last couple of years. Um, I think it was I I got the uh, like sponsorship invite. Uh, Justin invited me to like the very first one and absolutely blew my mind it was really cool just to be there with some of the best goalie minds in the entire world. And I was kind of like, why am I even here? Like I'm, I'm nobody, you know what I mean? And I, I met Jack Hartigan. I'm like, dude, I've been watching your videos online forever. Like this is so crazy. <laughs> and you know, like, obviously it's kind of like, you know, one of those don't meet your heroes moments, but like they're both super yeah. cool people. So it was actually, um, you know, really awesome. And it was just cool that, you know, get the invite the following year. I was actually able to bring like two of my college guys, John Lethman, playing professionally in the LA Kings organization now. And then Rob Bay has a grad transfer at Wisconsin. They actually both came with me the following year, which was super cool. And we're demo goalies for the event. And so just to be able to share that with them and, and everything too, yeah. the following year was, was super cool. So um, yeah, glad those things, glad those guys had good things to say because uh, they're really good people. And I definitely admire them both a lot.
2: Yeah, well, they, they they both said hi, and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, shout out for to sure. those guys for for coming on and doing great work. GGR is a, a great thing that Justin puts on for sure, man. Um, but how have things been going during COVID with, with you and your teams and, and all the disruptions going on?
1: You know, obviously, it's tough. Um, I mean, it's it's good now. Like, we just got the clear to play. Um, the governor just announced here that we're allowed to come back and play, like, winter contact sports, um, nice. the high school season. So, for Brother Rice, like they were supposed to start in November. And they've been delayed all the way till now. Normally we're finishing up high school season end of February, early March is when States is. So be interesting to see how that goes. So obviously that's been a grind for those guys. And then, you know, with the pro guys, it was like two or three off seasons. It was insane. I mean, I had guys Mm -hmm. that started in June that took a month break in the middle because obviously the NHL pause. And then, um, you know, so that was crazy. And then obviously the, the triple a kids, it was like, are we playing? Are we not playing? And, and they started on time and then we got paused around Thanksgiving for about a month. And then we've mm-hmm. been unpaused. But because we're not allowed to play games here in Detroit, they've been traveling to other states. We did get the approval to actually go other places and play. So they're going to Texas. They're going to uh, Columbus. We're going to Cleveland a lot. We've been to Youngstown. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, uh, we're probably getting a taste of what a lot of other organizations have to deal with in terms of travel like um, like Dallas like a St. Louis, like a Buffalo, um, mm-hmm. or like, uh, the LA junior Kings, like where they're traveling every weekend to showcases. Like obviously here, especially like with our minor major groups, like our 15s is, you know, we're able to go to the GTHL stuff. Most years. we can go play in the, you know, um, what is it? the, the OHL cup last couple of years mm-hmm. with our 15 groups. Like we're able to go to Canada and play silver stick and stuff like that. Obviously we can't do that this year. So mm-hmm. it's definitely been, um, been difficult for the kids, you know. Obviously, that's the biggest impact is it um, is on the kids and 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 them not being able to have that outlet and go to the rink every day, like it's so much of their life. But it's been yeah. I've been really fortunate that most of what I do is private training during the summer. So even when we were closed here, um, we were able to, you know, as the restriction kind of loosened, do private training only, which kind of was right in my wheelhouse. So at least I was able to work with you know, my goalies and, and, and keep them on the ice and college kids got bounced back. They were able to come home and have a place to play. It was super tough, obviously, like it was on everybody when everything Mm -hmm. was shut down. Like I know in Canada right now, all of Ontario is just closed. closed. Uh, So, I mean, that's super tough on those kids. And, um, but we're really fortunate here that things have loosened up enough that we can, you know, we we've been training and and now we're going to be able to start playing some games. So really looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, well, I guess, uh, you know, what was some advice that you kind of gave your guys or things that you had them do during uh, during kind of the disruptions to keep them in it for everybody listening?
1: Uh, I mean, I think I sent out an email at the very beginning of everything. I went through Instagram and I went through uh, the goalie coach's account and I went through a hand-eye coach's account and I just put together probably 50 to 100 links of all of the best like hand-eye coordination drills that I could find. And I just mm-hmm. sent it to everybody, um, toward the end of the season, when we first, when we didn't know if we were done playing or, or what was going to happen, I was doing a lot of game fill analysis with kids just to try to keep them sharp and, and thinking about their game and developing their reads in a remote way through zoom. I mean, obviously everybody was using zoom. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a great year for zoom, but, uh, <laughs> I think so that was obviously I think that's important to tend to take a step back when you can. Um, if you don't have access to something like a, like a sense arena, which obviously can be expensive, but I, I know some some goalies have picked that stuff up. Um, there's actually some strength and conditioning places around here that have access to those programs where kids have been able to um, train you know themselves off ice as similarly as they can. I had kids use synthetic ice. Delamarter was on your show. He actually like bought up a bunch of synthetic ice and just like gave it to all of his goalies, man. Like he drove right. around and, and hand delivered it to them so they could all try to use synthetic in their garage or wherever. Like we all obviously had to get super creative. Um and even right now, if you know, kids are not able to train, like I would just encourage them to, you know, um, like visual edge is obviously huge. I, I think that that software is awesome. Obviously it's blown up.
0: Yeah. You know, everybody's,
1: you know, using it. Everybody's, you know, pushing it. I mean, I think it's awesome. Um, I've used it. I've had a couple of goalies use it. they really, really like it and kind of religiously use it now um, just to develop their hand eye and their tracking and the sensory training, you know, like um, like synaptic training type stuff. Uh, yeah. So I think there's a lot of stuff out there Like we're in a really cool time technology wise, where there's a lot of stuff out there that you could still do, obviously nothing is going to get you the same feel like on ice training, but if yeah. you're really that passionate about getting better every day, you can still find a way to get better every day. So just try not to get discouraged and just keep pushing, you know what I mean? And, and talk to people and stay in touch with people, stay in touch with your teammates. And, uh, you know, don't feel like you're alone in this because, you know, there are obviously a lot of, of places, you know, like we just discussed, Ontario in particular, yeah. where people are still going through that lockdown and I think it's really important that they understand like they're not alone. Like we've all, we've all been through this. We're all going through this just because we're open now doesn't mean we're not going to get shut back down in a month. Who knows? Right. So just, uh, you know, you've got to control what you can control. Right. I know it's easy to say that, but it's really all you can do. No,
2: it really is. And uh, no, great advice, man. And, and I kind of just, um, you know, I kind of want to bring that up just cause I know we're, we're getting into, obviously it's, <laughs> close to the spring it's literally almost march again right like we we we're still getting over from march last year but for for all the kids you know you kind of see them kind of let off the gas a little bit thinking that there might not be hockey and like you guys for example right you're opening back up and you're playing so um just be ready out there right for everybody listening right do something and move your development forward because you know it can be uh it can impact you pretty significantly if you're not even thinking about the game at all like you know, we talk about all these modalities that you can use, right? If you're not even thinking about the game or, you know, and it doesn't even have to be this show or angle, or whatever, really just putting yourself in that mindset when you're away from the
1: rink, right? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, getting better doesn't have to mean any one particular thing. There's anything, you know, you can literally do anything to develop yourself as a person yeah. and as an hockey player, as a goalie, and, and, you know, focus on that thing that you can control to get better, whether that's doing sprints, uh, at home workouts. If you don't have access to a gym, mm-hmm. look up body weight stuff online. Obviously, like I know Maria mountain is a huge resource for a lot of people, goalie training, you know, on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that just post free stuff and I coaches on Instagram. I try to post stuff on Instagram. Like th- there's so many different accounts I think out there where if you just look, you just, for me, for us, like my generation, I'm, I'm 31. Now I remember watching like Corey walk videos on YouTube. And that was like the coolest thing I had ever seen. Cause he was like one of the only people putting stuff up on YouTube. And I watched them That's for the hours, time. man, <laughs> hours and hours, just over and over again. Cause like I didn't have a, a goalie coach or, you know, my parents weren't really hockey people. So I think like, right. like you said, it's um, do something, you know, don't give up yeah. and, and don't allow yourself to just give in and, you know, lose your mentality. Like you just have to, to really work. I mean, obviously like if you need a break, take a little bit of a break, but if you're really in it and you want to get better every day, find something to do and, and focus on that thing. And that at least would give some, you know, help help give that passion and that purpose back. Right. Cause I think that's the yeah. biggest thing that kids are losing out on is that passion and that purpose, that drive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, right on, man. Um, no, for sure. And that's kind of why I'm bringing it up. So everybody listening, you know, uh, if if you've been sitting back, find that, find that next gear again and then uh, kick it back in because, you know, even if you don't end up playing a season, I'm sure things are going to clear up come the spring and then it's tryout season. You want to be ready for that, uh, ready to go for that season, right? So um, why don't we uh, jump right in, obviously, and, and get going with the conversation. Maybe you can just start off, you know, briefly uh, sharing a bit of your story and your background and how we got to where we are today.
1: Yeah, um, I started playing goalie late. Like I started playing roller hockey. Uh, that was like a big thing in Detroit when I was growing up. and And then I got into ice hockey a little bit after that. I didn't probably start playing goalie seriously competitively until like 13 or 14 um mm-hmm. like i mentioned my parents are not hockey people not really athletes like um i'm probably like the only athlete in my family and i was barely an athlete okay like you know, I, mean, I was not a very good goalie <laughs> yeah. right yeah. um you know I, I played uh college club hockey at eastern michigan i played a little bit at oakland i ended up transferring got my teaching degree in 2012 um that was why i transferred to eastern michigan is because um a great teaching program, and that was what I wanted to do with my life. And I had gone to goalie camps growing up, and then started working at goalie camps. Like I've always had that passion of working with kids. Um, mm. That's why I wanted to become a teacher. And um, you know, when I graduated, the teaching climate really wasn't great for somebody like me with a social studies degree you know, people kind of looked at me like, oh, another, you know, jock with the social studies degree with a, you know, history minor, like, it actually was not very hireable, like I thought it was going to be when I was graduating. And, <laughs> um, so I, a student taught and, you know, I was living with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. Um, in like a little, you know, crappy one bedroom apartment, just like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, substitute teaching and coaching when I could. And then um, I was working with just a core group of like younger goalies at the time. And I think I had one triple A team and I think Parse was playing double A at that point and there was a while where I was driving back to the east side of the city to work with him for a long time and um, and I actually basically like gave up on it. Like some things didn't work out. I switched companies. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really like pan out the way I thought it was going to. And yeah, I yeah, um, yeah, I was coaching uh, on the side basically. Like I had a corporate job. I ran apartment mm-hmm. complexes. I was working in property management. Yeah, and I did that for three years and then um, Right around then, like I started doing some stuff on Instagram. You know, I always kind of thought Instagram was dumb. Like I wasn't huge into social media. I had Facebook and Twitter, but like I was like, oh, whatever. And my, you know, my wife um, was telling me, hey, like you should get an Instagram. You should start posting videos of you and your goalies, mm-hmm. and because I had a decent like, core group, but I wasn't doing it full time. that it was probably 2016, I think, is when I started posting stuff on Instagram. Yeah. 16, 17. It was the year that Ty. Uh, won a world junior. So I believe that was 2016, 2017 was his mm-hmm. world junior year because he won the Mem Cup, I think, in 2016. Um It's like, dude, it all blurs together, man. It was a crazy ride. And so, like, I had just started posting stuff on Instagram and I was starting to work with a couple teams at Little Caesars at that point. And I still, you know, had a day job. And then um I literally parse won a Mem Cup, got drafted, won the world junior, signed his contract, And, you know, there were a couple articles that came out. He mentioned my name. People started calling me and I was like talking to my wife like man, I I think I can quit my job and actually do this full time. Like this is the momentum I needed. So he kind of blew up and I'm really fortunate that, you know, we have a great relationship. I've known him since he was 11 years old, 31. Now it's 12 years, man, we've been together. And he and his family, like every step of the way, they always supported me and, and he kind of brought me with him. So as he blew up and he connected with people at the next level, you know, playing for the London Knights and then within the Calgary organization, like I got introduced to people um, like Colin Zillianello, people like Dave Rook, who like took me under their wing and shared information with me. And I was able to start learning at a really rapid pace. And then, you know, a couple more guys came on board. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, 2018. And I had only been doing it full time for a year or two. And I got a call from Jimmy Howard to do his off season training. And so then I'm working with Howie and then he's buddies with Andrew Hammond. So then Andrew Hammond's driving up from Ohio to train with me. And it was just like this whirlwind. Oh, wow,
2: that's sick, man. Like,
1: <laughs> man, just it exploded like yeah. faster than I ever thought it was going to. And, you know, now it's obviously 2021 I can take a step back and take a deep breath and like really appreciate the ride that it was because it was absolutely crazy. Um, and I'm really fortunate now to, you know, be able to to do this. Uh, as my full time job, I don't do anything else. Um, you know, I run like my own goaltending business, like you mentioned. Um, I work for yeah. for Little Caesars. I work at a hockey academy during the day where kids train, and they train during the day, and they go to school. And I um, coach goalies full time, which is which is awesome. I mean, it's from from not knowing if I was going to be able to do it, wondering if I had enough money in the bank to like really support this this leap that I was going to take,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my wife telling me, "Hey, like, do it." you're 26 years old if you don't do it now you're never going to do it so yeah. now at 31 i'm like holy crap this actually worked out it's been a pretty crazy <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a pretty crazy ride
2: hey man well congrats on uh, all the success obviously we'll uh, and we'll dive into uh, some of these guys like uh, parks and, and jimmy howard and later in the conversation um, but why don't we start off by just having you dive a bit into your, your personal coaching philosophy and you know what are some of the major areas you focus on with your goaltenders and why do you believe in these concepts so much
1: um, I think first and foremost, it's, it might sound kind of cheesy, but I think relationships are everything. Like you see me post a lot, mm. uh, family over everything, relationships tr- transcend all things. Like those are just little sayings that I have that, you know, I post to remind people or like, you know, I'll say to the guys all the time. Um, cause to me, it's about the relationships. Like I said, I, I you know, I, I was going to be a teacher that was going to be my full-time profession. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, as we're talking, I'm staring, you know, at my my office wall and it's my wife put a bunch of pictures of me and all, all the guys and, and girls like on these little individual canvases. It's actually really cool because um, to me, that's what it's about. Like it's about those moments in time. It's about building these relationships with these with these people, these human beings. And they just happen to be hockey players and they just happen to be good hockey players who happen to be goalies. And, you know, I am inspired a lot by Mitch Corn. you know, people over pucks. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Mitch one time while I was working for Brookings. We had, a our main camp at Niagara university and Mitch was doing his camp there the same week he was finishing and we were starting, uh, our, you know, main camp. It was like Friday or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I had, uh, we had a mutual connection. Zach Brace, Zach had gone to his camps forever. His kid from Alaska has committed to Arizona state. He had gone to Mitch's camps forever. So I had literally never met Mitch, but I had talked to him a few times about Zach. And how, you know, I thought he was a special kid and he's a special talent, even though he's only 5'11 or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and so we had just exchanged a few texts and the dude just came up and full on hugged me while I was on the bench, like coaching a game, you know, and that like, it spoke to me, man, like that was so genuine. And that's, yeah. for me, that's the foundation of everything. You have to build a relationship, you know, um, I'm fortunate being in the position that I'm in that um, I can get kids when they're young you know, 10, 11, 12 um, and really invest in them when they're young people and help mentor them. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Like I, I didn't have a goalie coach until I was probably 14 or 15 and it was old, old school people who just like stood at the blue line and screamed at you kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, that's not my vibe. Like, like I said, for me, it's both. Um, so that's my biggest, probably the biggest piece of my philosophy is the people part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really getting to know them as people, being that guy that goes to graduation parties and grandpa's funeral and and everything in between the highs the lows, the in-betweens, the 3am phone calls when they're upset, the, Mm. you know, NHL uh, draft parties, mem cup parties, all that stuff, world junior, you know, championship uh, congratulations dinner with Parsons, like all of that stuff, but also the really low moments, you know, when no one's talking about you and maybe no one even knows who you are. Um, You know, for me, like that's, that's a big piece of this. Um, from a technical standpoint, um, I think skating is huge. Fundamentals are huge. Mechanics are huge. And I, I think the last so many years, um, I got really into the, the refining mechanics and technique. And I think I'm a little bit obsessive sometimes when it comes to like attention to detail and the way that we skate and the way that our body moves. I get really big into biomechanics, um, strength right. and conditioning. Efficiency. Just, yeah, efficiency just absolutely fascinates me. So the way that the body moves and how to hit our spots and how to maximize coverage. And I think like, I I enjoy watching video a lot. So, you know, I'll go back and, and watch a lesson afterwards. Everything I have is um, now it goes to huddle technique so they can all watch their film afterwards. And I'm watching it cutting clips, you know, making comments. And I enjoy that really technical piece of the game. Um, But this last year or more, I think I posted something about this with Cam Johnson Uh, A couple weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, right before he actually signed with the Blue Jackets. um, And it was like this year, this summer just seemed to be about compete. Like I feel like there's themes every summer. That's just kind of like a vibe that I get uh, when we're working with. I think it's my core group is like 20 20 to 30 kids every summer that I'm Mm -hmm. doing like small group sessions with private, semi-privates. And this year I felt like that theme was compete, you know, like we can do all the technical talk that we want and we can, we can talk about the most efficient way to do things. But at the end of the day, the little black thing has to stay out of the net. That is mm. what we are supposed to do. That is what we're trying to do. I think we can all, we can get so wrapped up in trying to do it perfect that we get that out anal- you know, paralysis by analysis, right? We just overthink. Yeah. So uh, that's been a big piece. Now I'm kind of coming back to my roots. Cause that used to be a big piece for me was just the competing and, Than not really over making things overly technical. And I think I went a little bit too far to the other side of the spectrum for a while. And and now I think I'm I'm kind of settling down in between to everybody's their own person. No two goalies are the exact same. Letting them be an individual, Mm -hmm. you know, when to bend as a coach and say, okay, I'm okay with that as long as it's working for you. And when to be like, no, you just need to do it this way. Just trust me. I've been doing this for 10 years, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's an in-between there with each athlete that I think you have to find. And I yeah. think that goes all the way back to the beginning, the very first thing, getting to know who they are, what makes them tick and, and really knowing the person, I think for me um, helps me coach them. And and I think that's why, um, that's why when you watch, I think a lot of my goalies played, I, I would think that none of them look exactly like, um, and that's actually something I take a lot of pride in because I don't think any two people are exactly like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I agree with that in terms of goaltending that just everybody's identity is, is, uh, you know, even two guys that are similar, there's always like some little nuance that's different. Um, but talking about relationships, you know, um, how can kids kind of go out and, and, and build those and kind of expand their network? What's some advice you have in terms of, uh, in terms of building relationships?
1: I mean, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. I know that sounds like super cliche and obvious, but, um, so many people are so afraid to just speak up or just reach out to somebody, you know, and say, Hey, like, I'm interested in training with you or, or, Hey, um, do you know someone who was looking to, you know, add goalies or, mm-hmm. I mean, I had, um, for, from a coaching standpoint, um, Taylor Carey, who works with me now at my crease, he's in Gaylord, Michigan. We met because of an Instagram message he sent me, I think three or four years ago. And it was, Hey man, like, I really like your stuff. I'm up north in Gaylord. Obviously, there's not a ton of goalie coaching up here. Like northern Michigan, the northern half of the state, there's not a ton. There's a lot of hockey players, and high school hockey is pretty big, but there aren't a ton of specialized coaches up there just Mm -hmm. based on population density. And he was a young guy and just reached out to me, and he literally drove like five or six hours down the night before for a 6 and a 7 a.m. lesson and got on the ice and just watched me coach. And it was like – like I'm like okay man, you're that dedicated. Like yeah, so we built a relationship, and now he works right. with me. Like now he's somebody where like he's come down, he shadowed KD, he shadowed with Randy Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. He'll come down and shadow with me, and now we share we share students. Like Cooper Black trains with him. Um, he's committed to Dartmouth and is uh, down in Odessa now. in the all like Cooper kind of trained with me when he played at Little Caesars, and Cooper lives up north though. So now if I've got guys in northern Michigan, I have a guy for them to train with when they don't want to, maybe can't come all the way down, especially during COVID, you're not going to drive five hours. We don't even know if we can get ice. Right. Um, and at the time Northern Michigan was open. So they were able to have access to a coach up there. Right. So from a coaching standpoint, I think it's just reach out to people and be willing to ask. Um, right. From a playing standpoint, I, I think it's really similar. Um, hey, what's your opinion on X, Y, and Z? I know you don't know me, but you know, I, I try to answer questions when people uh, message me on Instagram is, I mean, as long as they're, intelligently like thought out and put together, like you just throw something random at me. I may not respond to you, but if you're actually like, Oh, Hey, this kid gets it. Like this kid really wants information. Like I'll be the first person to, to help somebody out. Right. If they're really seeking, you know, that information, whatever it is, it's technical advice or get kids that ask me all the time. Hey, I'm having trouble with this. What's your advice. And I'm like, do you got video? Like I'm to work it through, you know, like, cause it's so hard to tell more details. I need a list, a little bit more detail, but that's, that's probably, um, I guess don't be afraid to ask would be my advice to anybody who's, you know, whatever information you're trying to seek. Um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there and try to make a connection with somebody, especially now, you know, I think people are, people are probably yearning for a connection now, man. Like, for like sure. we're all so separated, like somebody messaged me in the middle of quarantine. I was like, man, I get to talk to a person. It's great, <laughs> you know. Like talk to somebody about goaltending. It's awesome. So, uh,
2: yeah, no, I, I I agree, man. It's uh, and I love that you said you have to put yourself out there because you really do, right? Like, you, you, you know, you have to be willing to fail. Um, you know, and 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 most people you reach out to, you know, if you approach them in the right way, they'll, they'll be nice. They'll be receptive, and they'll 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 respond, right? Even even way, you know big, big accounts on Instagram, you know, even a yep. uh, good friend of mine, like Zach Fukali, right. We have yep. I've had him on the show a couple of times, you know, he, he loves connecting with, with everybody on social, you know? So, um, and it even goes in terms of, we talk about relationships on the recruiting side of things, right? Like, you know, building, you know, reaching out to a coach, Hey coach, I know we haven't met before, but I hope you don't mind me reaching out. was wondering what your goalie situation is looking like next year, blah, blah, blah. Open up that conversation that hey I'm looking for a merit based opportunity something like that right yeah um and and, and it kind of ties into kind of what you're saying right is is building those relationships um I I know has helped me get to the next level like for sure in terms of overcoming politics uh, finding spots on teams and stuff like that so I know as goalies like a lot of people were very uh we're, were sort of like an introverted breed I guess I I, I would characterize uh, most goalies as right. Um, but you really got to be willing to put yourself out there because that's what other kids are doing now. Right. And and if you're not out there building those relationships, other guys are. And, you know, when when um, you know when there's that pre existing relationship there, you know, usually that kind of takes uh, that trumps, you know, uh, other things. Right. So super important thing. Love it, too, man. Another thing you mentioned was skating. Um, you know, and we talked about efficiency, you know, what, what's kind of the conversation around efficiency and, and with, with your guys in their skating and, and how can people at home, you know, work on their own to increase their, uh, efficiency,
1: man, I think, um, I mean, I, I pull stuff from other people all the time. Like, it's so hard to know what ideas of mind I think are mine anymore. And what are things <laughs> that like, I've seen like Matt Smith, I think. Probably teaches skating better than ninety percent of the universe. Yeah. just he, watching his guys. When it comes just to watching this. his guys move, man. I'm like, oh my god, I wish I could teach guys a move like that. Um, <laughs> Aj Aj Walchak, man, like teaches post play. Like I, I. That's how I learned how to teach post play. I used to work with Aj, um, and it was just nice. like I could watch his guys do post play all day because he just like I just felt like knew how to teach it so well and so for me like when it comes to you know specifically efficiency what like we're talking about i've pulled so much stuff from matt like whether he knows it or not like i don't even know if matt knows who i am anymore but like i uh i think he did he did because he used to at me all the time when you know oh did he um, yeah before but like i have i haven't got a little i haven't got a little at in a while so i don't know if matt knows who i am anymore but um, he's been a
2: little MIA on, on Insta. And yeah, it's all
1: good. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. You know. When you have, when you have, uh, you know, Nico Dawes and Hunter Jones and all the guys that he had come through last yeah. year, he can take a little break from, from the taking care of the boys. Right? Exactly. Yeah. He can just chill back and you know, it's <laughs> yeah. all good. Uh, but honestly, he's probably my favorite in terms of just yeah. watching, like in terms of like, uh, the way that he put things with just like building momentum, I think is the way that he puts it for mm-hmm. me. It's shifting weight. You know, I think goaltending comes down to, like, it's a very unilateral position. Like, we're always shifting weight. If we're doing our job right, we're always shifting weight, right? Like, if, for example, you look at, um, and again, I could get this totally wrong. I've been told I don't know what what head trajectory is before in the past. To me, it's, I I don't complicate this, right? just looking down at the puck, or the ice, because that's where the puck comes from,
2: right? the puck. Knows the puck.
1: Um, I think it starts there you know, proper tracking details, proper balance in the stance, you know, hip hinge, knee bend, like that's dependent upon the athlete. Like once you figure out what their balance points are, I think Mm -hmm. it's the way that I teach it to goalies is unless a puck is hitting you dead in the logo, you have to shift weight into everything. Even if it's a crest save, a chest save, or a hip save, you should be shifting down on top of that puck. Mm -hmm. The second you learn how to actually shift your weight left and right, properly into almost every save again unless it's a true just midline shift i think bob channels teaches center shifts and leaning like so super well in buffalo i think he's a goalie coach mm. for, for niagara now he's with the a- yeah, Marks forever um he's like one of my favorites in terms of just simple stuff like center shifts and nose to puck and efficiency like you watch all the way his guys move shane clifford's another guy who his goal is all move well. They look mm. just pristine, right? And to me, that's come down to the way I teach it is shifting weight. So I make I make sure my weight is properly shifting into that save. Whether I'm actually doing a center shift or I'm just, you know, leaning into the puck. Once my weight is shifted properly and i made that save, it makes it so much easier for me to recover, which means I'm faster to my next location, which means yeah. I'm set for longer. I can make better reads. And you just do that over and over and over again track, you know, recover, repeat, track, recover, repeat, track, recover, repeat over and over again. And it just takes, sometimes it's boring, but you just got to take a, you know, a 10 year old or an 11 year old kid and say, Hey, listen, you know, today we're going to work on this for a long time. And then we're going to have some fun at the end, but we're going to do this. And they really got to love, they got to learn to love the work. Goaltending is so skating based. You have to be a good skater whether you're six four or you're five four anywhere in between like you have to be an elite skater um to be an exceptional goalie and Mm -hmm. it's one of those skills that like you look at a guy um or you look at you know some goalies that are bigger they're maybe not as good at skating but they understand that and they play their style but you look at a guy like Vasilevsky who is big and athletic and is an exceptional skater i think that's why he is who he is Right. So mm-hmm. to me, that's like where the gold standard for me is, is like if the skating is the foundation, you have that strong foundation. I don't care if you're 5'10", because I know you're an elite skater. You, you grow right. up and you be yeah. big and strong and tall and you become, you know, you know pro size. Well, then great. You have that good skating foundation to rely yeah. on and fall back on. And I think that's just only going to make you a better pro. Right. So for me, I think that's why I, I, I emphasize skating and mechanics so much.
2: Yeah. And then and then you mentioned compete, which I, I just I love that word because I feel like, uh, you know, we talk about this idea of efficiency and it's, it's totally on the rise. And for good reason, we need it. Right. I think we need more efficiency. The game's getting quicker. So obviously we need to kind of uh, uh, get those quarter seconds back. But I think that we're losing a bit of that that idea of compete and that idea that. You know the game isn't as cookie cutter as we always make it in practice, and that you're gonna to need to go out there and win games. You're gonna to have to find ways to win games and keep that puck out, like you said. so um you know why do you think it's so important to to develop the skill of compete and why do you think it's so imperative to get to the next level?
1: I think at the end of the day, that's all we're doing. We're playing a kid's game, mm-hmm. right like this kid's a kid's game. We all did it when we were kids because we loved it. We were passionate mm-hmm. about it. we enjoyed it. It was fun, right, and at a certain point it becomes a business, honestly, probably 15, 16, sometimes a little bit younger, which I don't agree with, but it becomes a business of developing athletes. And we're all teaching this efficiency and doing this because it looks pretty into the trained eye or untrained eye or even trained eye. Okay. This kid looks like a goalie. And that's the first thing scouts look for. And it's, we're like doing that for the wrong reasons. I think when you look at the game on its core, the kids who are going to go the farthest and succeed at a high level consistently, all have elite compete. They inherently want to stop every single puck, every single minute of every single day. It's an every puck mentality. Mm -hmm. I think I can't remember where I heard that from, but like that to me is huge. Every puck mentality, every puck, Mm -hmm. every day, practice game doesn't matter whether you're getting on the ice for a private lesson or an hour practice or a 45 minute practice, or you're going into a game. Like, there should be no mentality shift. It shouldn't be. Oh, this is a game. I want to stop every puck.
0: Mm-hmm. If you don't want to
1: stop every puck in practice, you are not <laughs> going to stop every puck in a game. You yeah, see, two hundred shots in practice, and you see thirty in a game. You know the amount of time you spend building bad habits in practice because you're not competing. You're actually, you know, doing worse for yourself. You just yeah, compete on sure. every puck. Like you can't. You know, it's the biggest thing. I, I hate watching goalies like watch a pass go back door and just watch it get tapped into the net. Like do oh something, God, yeah. dive. Like And then the excuse afterwards will be, oh, like that guy's supposed to be covered. I'm like, I get that he's supposed to be covered. And I'm glad that you understand your defensive zone coverage. Like I'm glad you're <laughs> smart. But at the end of the day, is your job not to stop the little black thing that you watched him just put into your net? Like, does yeah. that not make you mad? Like what what's the deal? And I think like, I think the reason – you see kids stop competing is because they're afraid to fail. Failing is mm. painful. They don't enjoy yeah. getting scored on. Right. Particularly they want when to try
2: think. and then get scored on and look 100%. like, being, you know, right. A hundred percent. Cause they're like, Oh, well, if I don't
1: try, it doesn't hurt as bad when the puck goes in the net. But I think confronting that feeling and confronting that, like, Hey, mm. it's okay to suck in practice. As long as I'm doing my best, as long as I'm competing hard. Mm. Right. Cause it's going to pay off in a game. That backdoor one timer that happens twenty times in practice because guys are cheating the drill and not doing what they're supposed to do. There's only one of those that happens in a game. Like that's my favorite. Like, oh, you're never going to see a two on zero in a game. Have you watched the NHL lately? I've seen <laughs> more. I've seen more two on os in my last five years coaching than I've ever seen in my life. Like, and so for use a kid like an an example or for an example like a kid like Zach Bryce. Like literally when he won a national championship with us at Caesars he would push himself to the point of exhaustion in practice every day. Like mm-hmm. I thought he was going to pass out. It didn't matter if it was a two on O, a three on a a five on O zone entry, like power play. He yeah. wanted to make every single save. And that is his, that's like the difference between, you know, him and everybody else at that age why he was elite, why he's committed, you know, mm-hmm. as a, was committed as a 16 year old you know, to Arizona state because he has elite compete. Like I think having that compete level is so important because that's the one thing that you can control. That's probably the biggest reason why I think it's important. There are so many things you can't control in this game. You can't control if that pass is going to hit your D in the foot and bounce back to the guy who just passed it, but you can control whether or not you dive back against the grain and try to make that save, or you just watch it go in and blame it on your D. Like that's on you. That's what you can control. So I think, um, And then I think compete ties into a lot of other stuff like body language and mentality and stuff like that too, right? Like you see guys with bad body language because they have bad compete. Or you see guys with good body language because they have good compete. Like Mm. you dive across and you miss a save and you get back up. You're like, okay, whatever. Like at least I gave my best effort. But You watch the the guys that like wave their hands in the air after a puck goes in and they can't see Mm those are the same guys that like the next time your D your your D looks back at you and you do that the next time somebody winds up for a clap or they're just going to step out of the way like okay (laughs) fine I'm not blocking this shot for you like you know so I think it's it's a team game right like we have you have to love the work and if you don't love the work you're not going to compete and if you don't compete you're not going to love the work I think it goes hand in hand
2: yeah wow man you uh I I couldn't have said that any better I'm I'm a huge huge fan of that compete too and you articulated uh, in the same way that i do is that you know i i I, and kind of growing up you know i noticed that whenever i didn't kind of um you know try and practice that i would just those bad habits would carry over into the games even if i was like oh yeah i'm just just practice it would it would because it becomes subconscious right um so I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. And, and you kind of said it best that most of the guys that can get to that next level are the guys that just have that compete level. And I loved how you said about that body language, because most guys, when bad things happen, they see it as like a challenge and they embrace that challenge. G- great goalies, at least. Right. And the ones that usually, you know, at some point get stomped out or something is because, you know, they're faced with a challenge that that um, really challenges their ability. And then instead of, instead of saying, okay, what do I need to do to be up to this challenge? They say, Oh, whatever. Right. Like you said, Oh, backdoor, this, that, right. Um, And you really, and, and I just having other college coaches on the show too, man. And, you know, NHL coaches, they, they just, they, the, the compete, you know, you hear it from all the guys at the next level, man, the compete is really what differentiates so many guys because, Everybody's kind of got the skills now right like you said about it with all the material we have online free material it's like with all the technology and everything our, our access to information is is uh you know the the resistance to that is next to zero now so the information's out there you have everything you kind of need and, and even from being from a distance right um, and and the big thing I notice that separates the, the the kids that that go far and 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 the ones that kind of sit back and rest on their laurels is really it is that compete level coaches want to see that you have the ability to find ways to win games and that compete level kind of feeds right into that. Right.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I think I just thought it's while you're talking about that. Like, I think literally at one point, uh, there was an article written by the London free press when parks was playing in London and it was part of it was about how they had to tell him it was okay to not play every single rebound because he was messing up the drills. Like Hunter (laughs) literally had to come over to him. Hunter had to literally come over to him and say, Hey, I, I know you don't want to let Marn score that, that fifth rebound, but like I need you to get back. I need you to line up so the next guy can actually like do the drill. Like, you don't be wrong, it's fun to watch, but it's okay. Like they actually had to tell him yeah. no, no, just stop. It's okay to stop. You don't have to stop every puck. And to me, um, as hilarious at that as that is, like, you have to have that mentality. You no, that's, I would rather epitome, right? As a coach, I would rather come up to a kid and say, hey, you know it's okay to take a water break, right? <laughs> Than be the guy that's standing you know, over by the rest of the coaches, having them ask me why you're so lazy and why you never try. Like there's one end of the spectrum and there's the other end of the spectrum. But when it comes to this, there is no other end of the spectrum. If you want to be an elite goalie, you have to be that kid that people have to drag you out of the net. Hey, it's okay. This is a three-shot drill. Do your best make the first save get on try to set your feet for the second save so that way if there's like a late low to high pass you can be in position for the third not you know eight rebounds later you're diving and you break your thumb because you're doing like a backflip to get back yeah. in the net like there's a little bit of a over compete but again i'd much rather have a kid who competes too hard because i know that they actually care they they're yeah. you know they give a crap meter is high and, and that's what it takes
2: yeah well you look at you look at i mean the World J game that he won, I remember watching that. He stood on his head to pull that one out. You know, uh, because of that compete level, right?
1: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, man. I mean, obviously, it was like what they won five four or six five, yeah, five Like yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't pretty. I mean, you're talking about him and Carter Hart each got each got ripped for four, and then you know went into overtime. Or, you know, and and uh, and then it was like a one goal, I think. Terry, right? When five hole was like one goal that they actually scored. That was yeah. crazy. And it was like the compete in that game was just insane. You know, I I think even watching him in that tournament, like there's a save that they show every year that he made on Nico Heischer where he's like, no, it's a two-on-one and Heischer goes across and then goes back door and it gets back across the D again. And he's mm. nowhere in the vicinity of it. And he dives back and gets this thing with his glove. I remember watching that. I was at... uh just in the computer I arena, mean, now it's a USA hockey arena in the bar because I had just gotten like off a of skate. So like I was just standing in the bar watching it because I couldn't drive home. It was like the end of the game, and I was like, all right, I gotta watch this, you know. Yeah. And uh <laughs> watching him make that save. I think I literally had a heart attack. Like it was just <laughs> jaws on the watch. Right? <laughs> and that's like, you know, even for for a guy like him, like that's the way that I would relate it to people if if I'm watching him play and he, and he doesn't give me a heart attack at least once or twice a game. He's not. He's not playing like him. Like Versus a guy like John Lethman, where John is in position every minute all the time. He does so much prep work to be in position yeah. all the time. And he competes. Don't get me wrong. Like John is a fierce competitor, but he's just so strong. His foundation is so strong you know, his technical, ability, technical ability, his tactics, like he's the guy that's watching the pre-scout film four times over to make sure he knows everything so that he can be yeah. in perfect position. Um, you know, if John's giving me a heart attack, like this, not, not a great thing because that's not John's yeah. game. Right. And that goes right. back to identity. Yeah. Right. But I think, yeah. um, and so when we do talk about competitors, I think it's important to understand though that it's, it's playing to your identity and competing within your identity, right? Mm. Like there's two ends of the spectrum, right? You've got the Marc-Andre Fleury compete, which is like acrobatic, you know, and, and all the stuff that he does. And you've got like the quiet, simple, you know, the Carey Price mentality where sometimes it's like, does this dude have a pulse, man? He's just like, <laughs> and then he throws, he throws out just the hugest windmill and then just shucks it to the corner and, you know, skates off. Like there is, in that, I think, there's that compete spectrum is different for everybody I guess yeah, on sure the way that guys yeah. show compete can be can be different you got to compete within your style to say you need to compete and dive all over the place I think is is inherently wrong but if that's part of your skill set then that's what you need yeah. to do right
2: yeah, yeah. Well, we're on the topic of kind of talking about some of some of these guys that uh, you've worked with that that you really like. So maybe we can kind of dive into two of them. And obviously, Parks is has come up a lot, and and uh, you know, World Junior gold medalist, and and now in the in the American League and stuff. So, um, what do you think separates him so much? We talk about his compete level, but what are some other things in his game that you know have allowed him to excel so much that other kids at home should maybe be trying to implement in theirs? Oh
1: man, uh, Parsons is a freak. Athlete, like I mean, a freak athlete. If you watch, like, um he was off social media for a while. He took a little break, and then I think he's back on. But he's on private now. But like, he used to post himself, like stuff he would do to work out, like in the splits, pulsing himself up and down, like doing skin the cats on on the bar, you know, on the pull up bar where you literally pull yourself, do a muscle up all the way over, and then go all the way back. Like he just has this innate ability, which you can't teach kids, but. I think the one thing, um, you know, you can teach is, uh, he's a hard worker. Like he, uh, not just from a competitive standpoint, but just from like a mentality standpoint, like mm-hmm. he was one of those guys that like, it didn't matter what day it was. He was always going to show up and he was going to work hard. Whether he's playing double A hockey, he was playing triple A hockey. He was always going to show up and put in the work, you know, and he wasn't tactical yeah. and he wasn't pretty and he wasn't always big. I mean, he's six one, right. But he wasn't always tall. He was. Five ten, five eleven. His yeah. his fifteen year went undrafted in the USHL and the OHL. Like he signed in the OHL as a free agent. Mm. London saw him because they were there watching Zach Warensky's older brother because Parsons was playing up a year U eighteen. They yeah. were there trying to recruit Warensky's parents to get him to leave Michigan and go to London. They weren't there watching Parsons. Like they just happened to like, you know, see him. And it was like, oh, it's this kid's funny pretty how good that works
0: sometimes, it sometimes.
1: And even then he was like six feet tall. Like he wasn't big. Like he, yeah. you know, and that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, you hear about a lot of these guys and they're massive or whatever. Like he never had the size, he never had the technical skill set, you know, he never had a lot of things that other guys had, but he did have work ethic and he did have um, you know a high motor and and he's a good person, you know, like he yeah. he was one he's somebody that you pull for, right? He's always the guy that that stayed late signing autographs for the young kids when he was in London. And, you know, he's a guy that loves the young fans. And, you know, his mom works with special needs kids. So he has a soft spot spot for kids like that. And so, like, he was always that guy who was just genuine, you know. And I think that speaks to people as well. And, I mean, obviously that's that's going outside his technical skill set. I mean, for me, man, like, um, he just, he was one of those guys, he just found a way to get a piece of everything. Right? When he's yeah. on, like, he just finds a way to make that save. Like, I, I can't explain it to you. It's not always pretty. He find like, if it's a if it's a scorpion save, even sometimes, like, it's a glove save where he's, like, not even watching it. He's not even looking. He could catch pucks behind his head when he was 14. Like, I had to teach him how to not win mill behind his head because he would catch pucks that were going bar down. He'd be, yeah, like, yeah. sitting in the splits and just catch it behind his head, no look. <laughs> He's just one of those guys, like, he was a, is you know, a triple-A baseball player, like a fed, what we call fed ball here, would, like, yeah. you know, bat, like, 350, and had, like, a 70-mile-an-hour fastball. Wow. Like, he was one of those kids that just was good at everything. You put boxing gloves on him, he'll knock you out. Like, does, he never boxed <laughs> before. He never had formal training. Like, he's just a freak, natural yeah. athlete, and he always played to those strengths. and I think, like... um, obviously like the, during the transition to pro is really difficult. So you take a guy like that who you know, relies on their athletic ability and they have a couple injuries and, and things happen. Yeah. And then you have to, you know, make some adaptations. And I think we're still in that phase, right. Without, not spoiling anything. I think we're still in that phase of, I don't think we've seen his best. You know, I, yeah. I think that yeah. he's 23 years old and people forget that he's 23 years old. He's a young, he's young. kid still. He's signed a year yeah. early. He could have played his overage year. He did, not you know, and um, I think, I think that uh, it you know everybody it, everybody's on different paths right and so I think For sure. you know you learn a lot of technique and then it becomes too much and then I think it, we talked about identity you know I think a guy like Jack Campbell is one of my one of my favorites right like a guy who puts a ton of pressure on himself like I don't know Jack personally but just from yeah from what you know and in his story from right from Michigan
0: I think actually. Yeah from
1: Michigan yeah somebody I looked up to somebody I watched you know when World Jr um yeah. and like he uh was one of those guys who who I think spent a while finding his identity. Now you see him find his identity and he's playing in a market like Toronto. And had he not gotten hurt, like he's, he's playing, he's, yeah. and he's elite because he has that identity. Right. And that was a big term that um, I think we used with, with John Lethman in the last couple of years um, under Joe Exeter at Michigan state, like Joe helped him find his identity. This is how you play. This is how John Lethman plays. And I think yeah. um, last year was really his first year, like being able to take the net and he won the net and, you know, um, was big 10 goalie, the year, runner up and, um, was a Mike Richter award semifinalist. And, and that was like, it was the culmination of so many years worth of work because he had found this identity. And then this summer was just reinforcing that, you know, like, Hey, this is your identity. This is how you play. This is where your comfort level mm-hmm. is. And so I think, um, you know, uh, that's why I feel like if like, you could go into, I know I, I digress a little bit away from parse, but just in general, like, I think with each of, each high level goalie they each have their own identity, uh, that yeah. they have to learn to play within. And then, you know, trying to get them to, um, like with Howie, it was, you know, I, I had the opportunity I met, I met Jimmy Howard in like 2018. Um, and in his identity is hands, eyes, and feet. Like his tracking is mm-hmm. exceptional. His hands were elite. And if he was hitting his spots on his feet, using lateral releases instead of sliding and keeping things like real simple, like you couldn't beat him and go through stretches of skates where he didn't get scored on. Like even this summer, man, he was, he was training all the way, you know, all the way up until obviously he decided that he was going to retire. And like, I remember there was a lesson he, I did with him and Hammond and it was mostly like a tracking session, but then we did some compete at the end. Like he was pitching a shutout in a private lesson until the last five minutes with pro guys shooting on him. Like that's how elite his hands and his tracking are. It's yeah. insane. Right. So I think, you know, and then with, with Hammy, it, it's his, he stays over pucks so well and Hammond is so efficient and so simple and so clean. And he never pulls, he never rolls off a save. His head trajectory is so exceptional and he's always yeah. down on pucks. Right. And, um, and so I think each of them has their own like identity, that little thing that makes them special. And like you brought yeah. up originally with Parsley and is competed, I could probably pick two or three things. And at that level, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but that's really all we're, all we're reinforcing. That's all I try to really? do is keep it super simple. This is yeah. our identity. This is what we're sticking with. These are like our reminder points, you know, and yeah. when things start to go south or we start struggling, we, we reset ourselves back to those points, you know, yeah. and try to try to stick with that. Right. Cause at that level, like these guys don't need you to, to reinvent the wheel. They just need you to tell them every now and then what they're not doing as right. perfectly but at the end of the day, they're doing things almost perfect. 98% of the time. It's insane.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, I, I want to kind of, uh, dive into, um, you know, some concepts, uh, and a little bit, something we haven't done before. And, and I'm just curious, maybe you can share two or three concepts that have sort of intrigued you lately. Um, and, and what fascinates you so much about them could be anything from mental to physical, to emotional new, new ideas that you found lately that you think are effective.
1: Um, Within the last five years, I actually learned like what head trajectory was. I, I learned what it was like to, you know, what what it uh, was staying over top of the puck meant, um, and it kind of creates like this this system of movement that's it's almost you know synchronous, like everything's moving as a unit. And so, whatever way you want to say it, I think like. Those, those couple of things I think are big for me I think it changes the way that that we play the game we talked about efficiency earlier I think it maximizes our efficiency we talked about compete I think it allows us to be in a better position to compete um, and that was like I think I first started learning some of that stuff just through you know um, watching videos online and stuff like that and and, and having uh, you know some conversations with higher level goalie coaches and it was really like Jerry Kuhn plays over in the, in the del2 now um, yeah. I and he's you know a little bit older than me, we're similar in age. He kind of came to me to start training you know, years ago. And yeah. I was watching him make stick saves, like making stick saves, driving his head over the puck, shifting his weight. And I literally mm-hmm. had one of those moments on the ice where my mind just erupted. I was like, Man, what have I been teaching? Like, right. w- it was, I went through this thing, right? We're like, I've been doing this probably since I think this is like 10, 10 years or 11 years I've been coaching. You know, full time. Mm -hmm. Like I quit playing at 21, so 10 10 solid years of coaching full time, and at 26, I took everything I ever knew and I scrapped it, and I built the I built the style from the ground up all over again. Like what I really believed in teaching, and it was those core concepts: tracking, tracking down on pucks, how to stay over top of pucks, how to shift weight into pucks, how to use center shifts and midline shifts to not have to reach as much. So that way, if we do need to compete or reach, we can do that on a second save right? Mm. I think those concepts are so they're little is just the simplest stuff. Um, something as simple as the way you make the first save can often dictate your ability to recover and make that next save or Mm. recover to your next spot and get a quick scan in, have enough time to scan the ice and read the next place you can make the next save. Um, so I think those couple things were huge for me and absolutely blew my mind once I figured out how to really teach that stuff. And Jerry was a big piece of that. He was kind of like, I don't know, man, like this is just what Blash had us do at Western. <laughs> like Jerry's one of those guys who's like, he doesn't know why he does what he does. He just does it, you know? Yeah. And, but it was just, it was astonishing to me. And so once I started um, and that was probably 2015 or 2016, I think. Yeah. And so then the last couple years after that, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, and then like watching how we practice and having the opportunity to share the ice with him so much, um, in 2018. And then this pass off season, like just how simple the game really is when you're, you know, your coverage and you get your feet set mm-hmm. and you get a good track and you make good contact. Andy Chioto uses that term a lot, contact. I love Andy mm-hmm. Chioto's stuff. Um, I think, all of that kind of like totally rebranded the way I teach the game. So I think I probably threw way too many concepts out there, but those are the ones that I try to stick to like tracking, shifting weight, uh, making good first contact, getting reset. Well, staying gathered. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously a lot of those, it's a combination of uh, technical and, um, and uh, mechanical. Right. And then, uh, you know, yeah.
2: Yeah, so for I guess for kids at home looking to kind of develop some of those things on their own, what's what's some advice you have in terms of drills or, or what they should be doing and just regular practice, even being mindful about those concepts so they can Im- implement it in their game?
1: Watch every puck every day. Every puck every day. Every puck mentality, right? Like every mm. single puck. Watch every puck. If it's a three shot drill, be willing to not make the second save because you're still tracking the first save. I'm not mm. saying don't make the second save. But don't not track a high glove save that hits, you know, like a high glove shot that hits a glass so that you can make the next save so that you can also not track the third save, right? Like so much of what we do, so much of the way we build practices, it goes away. Like, I think our guys do a really good job. Um, So I don't want to, you know, sound like this is all coaches. I feel like there's a lot of coaches. I think we're particularly blessed with um, a lot of coaches in the Little Caesars organization that have professional, you know, playing experience. So they yeah. know like how their practices were set up like like guy like Brian Rolston. He runs a practice. It's a pro practice. It's yeah. skating. It's warm ups. The goalies are getting longer shots. It's timed well so they can recover. Right. But, you know, mm-hmm. I just remember like years ago, you know, when I was coaching a lot younger kids, You know, and maybe the coaches don't have the same experience or the kids maybe aren't executing as well, it can get really frustrating for goalies because they're like, well, he's taking the shot before I'm ready for the next one. It's like, listen, there's a difference between blowing off a shot in practice and not being done with your first save yet. Like Mm -hmm. one puck at a time, focus on that puck, track it in. If there's a rebound, track it out and recover. And then identify your next shooter, get your feet set and do it all over again. For me, track, for me uh, Sorry, practice is not about success. It's about habits and details. I yeah. tell that to kids all the time, especially young kids, because they get super frustrated. Right? They're either getting scored on, well, I wasn't ready, I was still over here, and I'm like, hey, it's okay. Practice is about habits and details,
0: mm-hmm.
1: building consistency. So if you can you know, pick one or two things of practice. Today, I'm going to work on my eyes and my hands. I'm going to watch every puck into my hands. And if I make a blocker save, I'm going to watch that thing all the way out until it hits the boards. And then I'm going to recover back to my post. I'm going to get my feet set again. I'm going to do it all over again. I'm going to watch every puck into my glove. and I'm going to stare at it for half a second. I mean, assuming you have time, right? And that's like, just simple little details like that um, can really enhance a practice it goes from being a practice where you're just expecting yourself to get better by seeing shots to being a practice where you're actively getting better because you've taken a role and you've taken ownership of your own development Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah for sure man well obviously like i mentioned um, you've been, uh, you know, you've been a part of the, 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 director of goaltending for the entire Little Caesars organization for the last couple of years, but a lot of our listeners are young kids, uh, you know, boys and girls looking to hopefully make that transition one day in the near future to, uh, AAA hockey. So maybe you can just break down what you think is the hardest part about, um, transitioning from AA or, or AA or house league to, to the AAA level.
1: It is it's hard to know who everybody is, if I'm honest, right? There's, there's so many good goalies out there. You look at, um, take the triple eight, you know, conversation out of it for a second. You look at junior leagues in America right now, there are three, four goalies deep on every team. Cause there's just yeah. that many good goalies in North America. And because the BCHL is not playing, the OHL is not playing and the dub hasn't played yet. Like it's so deep. So imagine at that level with how narrow the funnel is, there's mm-hmm. that many good goalies now oh. extrapolate that to youth hockey. Yeah,
0: At the double A, down, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. At the double A level, there's even more kids that are playing, right? The younger ages, right. right? Because obviously as the funnel gets older, there's less and less kids playing. So my point is like now imagine a guy like me trying to know everyone who's out there all the time. It's so difficult to know who people to know, <laughs> like who the good kids are, right? Cuz yeah. like yeah. I don't care so if I'm, me. you know, helping. If I'm helping out of trials, like, I don't care if a kid played double A last year or played A last year. Or they played for us or they played for somebody. else. like, I want mm-hmm. the best kids. I want the best yeah. kids all the time. But if I have no idea who you are, it makes it really hard for me to know where to look for you. Unless you literally mm-hmm. show up to trials, right? So I think, like you talked about earlier, networking and building relationships, I think is important. Um, being willing to put yourself out there and, and go to a goalie camp or do different things to be like, oh yeah, I, I remember that kid from. Like there's a kid who's playing um, on our Caesars team now um, who played high school and we lost Cameron Corpy to the North American League about halfway through the year he's playing uh, for Bismarck and the Knoll now he's an old four mm-hmm. um to playing you know juniors as a 16 year old and you know was they had the opportunity to move up halfway through the year and the kid we ended up picking up um, I don't, I don't even I knew somebody who knew somebody and was playing high school at the time. It didn't look like high school was even going to play. And then I actually knew him from an old goalie school that I used to teach at. And I was like, Oh, I, I remember that kid. I love that kid. And like, yeah. you know, like, so we just kind of like connected and he, he ended up being a great fit. And that's at 16 yeah. you, right. There was uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Carter McPhail, man, like he played one year of AAA his whole life. He's playing at Ferris State now. Um uh, yeah. pretty sure he's like the all-time wins leader in the history of the Johnstown Tomahawks or something like that. Something crazy. Wow. He had an unreal junior yeah. career. Um, played one year of AAA his whole life. And it was like he made the jump because he knew somebody who knew somebody through yeah. years of playing AA hockey. And at 18 years old, his last year of eligibility in AAA, made the team, won the starting job. Because our other guy got hurt, he took the net over, won a state championship, led the team to nationals, wow. and all of a sudden, like it was this, you know this silhouette, this Cinderella story, story um, and yeah. stuff like happens, stuff like that happens all the time. So it, whether that's a little kid, you know, you don't have to be in AAA right away. Like if yeah. you're not ready yet, don't don't you know don't force yourself. It's okay. Like there's so many kids I know that play AAA their whole life and they either burn out or they don't pan out. And then there's, I have equally as many stories about kids who play double A until they're maybe 13, and then they're able to make that transition. And the how you make that transition, I guess, I, I don't have an exact answer. Like, it, it takes yeah. the right opportunity at the right time. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier with being willing to put yourself out there, be willing to, you know, talk to coaches, be willing to email coaches. Obviously, this is teenage kids, right? Because I'm assuming, you know, that's the hard part is that a lot of times it's parents, that are trying to figure out what to do with their kids at younger ages, and if you had parents like mine, like I love my parents, but they had no idea what to do. Back in back in my day, it was looking at Michigan Hockey Magazine for tryouts in the paper on the last page of the paper. Teams posted their tryouts. Yeah. Now everything's yeah. online, and yeah, that's how old I am. Uh, <laughs> look, <laughs> look at tryouts in the paper, man. Um, but I think it's just being willing to go. You know, being willing to show up at tryouts too. Like okay, you know when tryouts are. And you know that this team has a really good goalie and there's only one spot available, but or both their goalies are coming back and you don't think you're going to make it like, that's okay. Show up anyways, show me what you got because I'll remember you, you know, and maybe, maybe that kid moves, maybe their, their dad takes a job somewhere else and they move across the country. And now all of a sudden the next year we are looking for a goalie. You show up to tryouts next year. And I'm like, holy crap, this kid got so much better. And now that's your opportunity, right? Like, You never know when your opportunity is going to come. I like, I know all this sounds like super cliche and vague. And it's like, you just have to be willing to put the work in every day and believe when nobody else believes that you can do it. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Hey coach, what do you think that I can work on? You know, like there's nothing I love more than doing a tryout evaluation. And a kid comes up to me and says, Hey, how did I do? Whether they're 10 years old or whether they're 18 years old, not mom, not dad, a kid says, Hey coach, you know, thanks. You know, is there anything I can work on? I've been working on this with my goalie coach, um, blah, 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 blah. Just making that connection. Cause I'm like, okay, this, this is a kid that cares. Even if you're not good enough yeah. to make our team that year, this is a player who is invested and actually wants to get better. And mm-hmm. then maybe we build it. Really. Yeah. Maybe we build a relationship and we do some lessons together. Or maybe I refer you to a buddy of mine like Kevin, who, you know, you can work with and get better every day. And then yeah. five years down the road, we are looking for a goalie or I know somebody, Hey, I get a call. Hey, um, you know, I know that you guys, your goalie situation is probably set. Uh, but I'm looking for one and I'm like, Hey, this kid is awesome. I wish I had room for this kid. Call this kid. That happens all the time. You know, yeah. like there's so many good kids out there and there's only two goalie spots. And when, you know, for somebody like me, he was working with an organization. It's my job to find kids for that organization. Um, you know, well, if we're full, and I can help you. Of course, I'm going to help you. I'm not, I'm, yeah. not a I'm not a monster. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want, I want to see everybody. You
2: deserve see it too, obviously, right?
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, for yeah. kids that are trying to make that jump is it can be scary. It can be intimidating, but you got to believe. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Come back again next year. Be that kid yeah. that like, I just can't say no to man. I love mm-hmm. this kid. Like he just works so hard or she just works so hard, whoever, you know, they just work so hard. And, And like, I just love this kid, we got to find a home for this kid where, Mm -hmm. even if that's not with me, I'll pick up the phone and say, Hey man, like do another coach friend. Do you know anybody who's looking? Because this kid is amazing. You have to, we got to help this kid out. Right. And I think
2: character aspect, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well on that topic of kind of making that transition to, to AAA, obviously, I, I, you know, maybe you can touch on the importance of just going through the right steps in your development, right? When it comes to kind of making that transition, whether it's the A to junior level, and we'll kind of jump into the junior level after this. Um, But, you know, um, who should be going, who should be staying, right? And in, in, in sort of the overall picture, everybody wants the jacket, right? I want to play Triple A. I want to play junior, I want to play college, I want to play pro. You know, they, they want to just say that they've been there, but it's important um, to jump through the right hoops before you get there. Make sure you're ready to help teams win games before you get there. So maybe you can just touch on, um, you know, uh, like you said, right. We're, we don't care if you played a double AA, a triple a, we want the best kids. Right. So maybe you can just touch on that idea a bit of making sure that you're going through the right steps in your development rather than just wanting to get the jacket and, and be there.
1: Yeah. It's a question that comes up a lot, you know, especially with younger kids too, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's crazy. I'm about to quote these birth years, but we're talking about like 11s and 12s that are competing tens, 20 tens, 2011s, 2012s. Making
2: me feel old too now.
1: (laughs) We're getting into that era where I'm coaching (laughs) kids that were born in the year I graduated from college. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, oh, 2007s are turning 14 years old this year. 2007s is when I graduated high school. Like, oh man, like it's insane. And it's so easy to get wrapped up. And then, like you said, needing to wear the jersey. And I cannot articulate enough that it's about development and coaching. For me, it comes down to coaching. If you're in a position where maybe you're playing double A or single A and you're playing at least every other game and you have a good goalie coach that you work with and you trust that that goalie coach has your best interest in mind and, and you're getting better every year, that's what's important because then when you are truly ready, you're absolutely dominating that level like Mm -hmm. your coaches are like okay we got to find a place for this kid next year because they don't they don't belong here anymore then you're going to make that jump that's the way that i've heard it put to me is dominate the level unless you're dominating Mm -hmm. the level you're not ready to move up because then when you do get into triple a hockey you do get into junior hockey college hockey and it's a business eventually you get into pro hockey and it's really a business Um, very much you're used to Okay, I'm dominant. You, you, you're over prepared, right? You go into that's a right. junior, you go into a junior hockey team as a 16 year old, and you're under prepared. You're gonna be sitting on the couch next to me in, in October. We're gonna yeah. be finding you another place to play. For sure. <laughs> right? Like it, it's happened before. But guys, you think you're prepared? and okay. You show up and you're not. Your first three games, you're bad. You're cut. Like that's yeah. out. game over. Sorry. So when we talk about younger kids, I think looking toward and trying to adopt that same mentality of okay, I don't need to make the jump until I'm over-prepared, right? Mm. Like, I knew this year when Corby got the call from Bismarck that he was ready to play in North American League because practice was literally slow for him. He would get scored on in practice because he was waiting for our guys to shoot for so long. And we don't have a bad team. I'm just saying he was that prepared, right? He had had gone to the national program camp. He had gone to Muskegans main camp, done really well. And then he comes back to us and he's just like waiting, waiting. And I was like, okay, man, like when he got that call, I knew. I'm like, dude, you got to go. Like if yeah. if we'll, we'll work it out, whatever's best for you, you know, th- if this is right for your development. That's how, that's I think how I felt like I knew he was prepared for that jump. Um, and, you know, similarly with the double A kid, you know, I, I had a goalie, uh, shout out to Will Fox played double-A his entire life, entire life, up until 14U. And he was, you know, trying to make the jump to triple-A, and his parents weren't sure about it, and, you know, um, but he was. Like, he was ready to go at, like, 12. He wanted to try to make the jump. And at the time, he was he was big, um, and he moved well, and he was athletic, and, and he was probably, like, the best double-A goalie in the state. He was the only goalie on his team. And so because he was the only goalie on his team, he played every game, he played every game. Mm-hmm. He got the benefit of playing every game until he was 13 or 14. But what ended up happening is he made the jump to AAA at 14U uh, because it was, you know, he had an opportunity to go play for Compuier, Um, And he was supposed to be the number two. They had a really, really good goalie. That goalie got hurt. And so because he had spent his entire life, Will had spent his entire life being the only goalie, he played like mm, 55 playing. games that year and won a national championship and wow. was like, it was like nothing for him. Like he was like, yep. Good for him. What I'm going to do, you know? And that was like, it was just crazy. Like I said, like I'm staring at his picture on the wall. It's reminding me uh, to bring that story up. But like, that's a, that's a story about being over prepared. He probably mm-hmm. could have made the jump at 12 u or 13 you. And he was probably a little bit late making the jump at 14 u. but he did make that jump. And when he got his opportunity, he was absolutely prepared and he killed it right yeah and so
2: well I, you think about the just from a number standpoint too right you know typically every level you're going to go to tack on a goal on your gaa and then minus you know point three point oh three right i would say at least uh for kind of every jump like if you're going to junior you gotta you probably want a 93 at the AAA a level if you're going to be right in the double a level right if you're going to go to triple you probably want to be getting like a 93 1.5 two goals against average because but when you make that jump you know, is it going to be enough to win games? And that's kind of the way I like I like to have that conversation with guys. Like, hey, understand that you're going to, yeah, you could go play at that level up, right? But are you going to be able to help your team win games? And we talk about opportunity, like you said. Um, and, and seizing those opportunities is big, right? When you do finally get your opportunity winning, that's a really important part of, of, of seizing it, right?
1: Yeah, I think um... – it's, uh, it's interesting, right? Because obviously, like, when you get into AAA hockey, especially when you're talking about, like, minor midget and, and older, and then you get into junior hockey, we're talking about wins and losses a lot, right? It's a, it yeah. becomes a business in junior hockey, college hockey. Because people's jobs are on the line. Like, if they're not winning, they're going to get fired. So if you're not winning, you're not going to be around kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. put a ton of emphasis on on, on winning. Um, at This is probably going to sound crazy at a younger age man like i don't i don't care yeah, i don't care right. about winning and i know your don't development care. right i don't care about stats like are you getting better every day at the end of the season can you look back and be like man i would not have made that save 6 months ago man mm-hmm. we wouldn't have won that game 6 months ago right so winning i think for me is tied in but if you're strictly looking at wins and losses as a kid i think you're focusing on the wrong things you can be mm-hmm. on the best team in the country see t- 15 shots a game and have 20 shutouts the second you face a little adversity, you crumble because you don't know how to handle right. it, right? So I think um, for me, it's everybody's on such a different path. Like some kids, um, I'll use Corbin as an example, played on like a star-studded team his entire life. He came over to Caesars um, and he was a big piece of our success. We had a good team, but he was a big reason why we were nationally ranked last year. He had he had to play really well. Um, yeah. And so he learned how to do both. Like he, he knew from playing youth hockey, like how to make 15 saves, maybe a couple two-on-ones, a breakaway. And then he learned from a couple years with us um, because of the way our team was structured that, you know, we played really well defensively. We would just give up some more shots. And he learned how to, you know, be a bigger piece of the success. So now mm-hmm. he's in Bismarck in the North American League. And there's nights where they're playing maybe Aberdeen, who's absolutely stacked. They got the mm-hmm. Cy Bell kid who's got like a 960 this year in the Null, which is just obscene. And wow. there's, you know, absolutely studded out, like in all positions, they're probably the number one yeah. team in the league. They're like 25 and two or something, 25 and three, right. you know, quote me, so like, you know, you're, you know, you're yeah, in for a night, you know, you're in, in for one, one right. <laughs> Versus they go and play somebody else. And maybe he only makes 15, he's he 20 shots that game. Right. But yeah. he can do both now because he had the benefit of the experience of doing both. So I think like right. as a goalie, you get that question a lot. This is, I guess what my point is, is, or, well, where should I play? Do I should I play on the best team or should I play where I'm going to see shots, right? And that's always, mm-hmm. you know, my pitch to kids, um, you got to see workload, right? Like it's great if you want to win games, you want to win every game, but you have to mm-hmm. see workload, right? Even if you're on a team where, you know, your workload's low, right? Then you're just under greater stress all the time. So it's not to say that playing for a good team is bad. That's not what I'm trying to say. Because obviously we have some teams that are pretty, pretty good. I think when we we won a national championship team a couple of years ago, (laughs) we were like number two or number three, maybe number one, like, and we killed it. Right. Um, And that, so sometimes our goalies have to learn how to only make a handful of saves and and five of them are going to be really tough. Right. Um, But I think it's just as valuable for a kid's development to play on a team where, they see thirty to forty every night, and they maybe don't win every game, but they learn how to make a meaningful impact on mm, games.
2: Learn, learn how to find ways to win games, and and when the the odds are basically against you, right? One
1: hundred percent. So that way, if you are on a stack team, you do go to a stack team one day, and you're like, man, okay, like I only got to make two two on one saves a game. This is great. I'm used to seeing eight, <laughs> you know, like or I'm used to seeing yeah. it, you know, I only got to make a, a handful of saves on the PK, and like, you learn how to be a winner, right? And not just mm-hmm. like not in a strictly wins and losses standpoint, but you learn how to, to to be a difference maker is maybe a better way of saying it than a winner. I mm. think to be an elite goal, you have to be a difference maker. You have mm. to be that kid that you can make 15 or you can make 50 or you can do anything in between. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me if I'm going to stand here for 20 minutes and get cold and give up a breakaway. I can be the guy that shuts it down and makes that save. Mm. Or you can be the guy who's getting shelled, be the that kid that's getting shelled every night and be the reason why people are like, Oh man, this kid is so good. Like he
0: mm-hmm.
1: would be getting buried without you. And then most yeah. nights it's going to be somewhere in between. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I, uh, I, my dad did that for me kind of growing up. I I was, you know, I, I think that, uh, I, I'm grateful for him kind of having made some good decisions about like, you know, some uh, the teams in our region, right. Like the Toronto Marlies stuff like that, you know, he's like, no, I, I don't want my son to go there because he's just going to rot there. Right. Um, and obviously there've been some great goalies that, and great players that come out of that organization, but from a development standpoint, it just didn't make sense. And then growing up, I was just very grateful, right? Cause you do, you, you see a lot of rubber, um, you learn to not rely on other people, right? You learn to really focus on yourself, do your job to your best ability. And you learn to, um, you know, when the odds are stacked against you, it really, you learn how to reduce that margin of error when you have a big load, like you said, right? Um, and if you can kind of train yourself, get those reps, learn how to be a starter, learn how to find ways to win games when the odds are stacked against you. Man, that's what coaches want to see. Coaches, we, going back to that idea that we talked about, compete, right? Um, is that compete level, man? Just finding ways to win games, like... It, you know the the thing that coaches don't want to see is like if if you go to a game and you know is is the kid losing seven nothing and his body language sucks and he's giving up or is he losing seven nothing and he's giving it everything he's got still until the buzzer goes right and I think there's a dramatic difference and kind of you're alluding to that um, with what you're saying right
1: yeah I mean you look at a kid like like Paxton Geisel comes to mind shout out to Geis trains with uh, Christian Fry uh, in the summertime down C squared goaltending nice. him and and Chris Johansson. Um, and he's in uh, St. Cloud, and then all and they're a super young team. And he's an O four playing in North American League. Uh, I met Paxton a few years ago, and so it's mm-hmm. kind of when we have this mutual connection through Christian. Christian's a buddy of mine now, and um, and he, I mean, he was getting buried his first couple of games, and it's not because he's not a good goalie. Like he's he's a stud. He's elite in every sense yeah. of the word. Um, but he has elite mentality, and he handled it. He's a young team. He was getting you know support in terms of starts from the coaching staff, even when he wasn't having success. I think his breakout performance was a 40-some or 50-some safe shutout over Aberdeen, and it was Aberdeen's first loss of the year. And he was the story of the week in the Nall. It was like, (laughs) oh, my God. Did you see – I mean, I watch a lot of Nall games just because I have a couple guys in the Nall. Delamar has got guys in the Nall, right? So, like, we just – you start to pay attention to the league just having guys playing in there, and everybody was talking about, dude, did you see this game that guys had? man he just went off and he's been good ever since right but it's just having that mentality of like you just said body language I never saw him pout I never saw him mope I never saw him cry or whine you never heard a story about him tweaking in the locker room it was always he's figuring it out he's gonna figure it out he's gonna get through it right and again like I barely know him so like it's not like I'm, you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things where, you know, we worked together a couple of times in the past and it's yeah. just nice to see, nice to see a kid like that have success when you know they have all the tools and then, yeah. you know, they're young for the league, right? Like he's 16 years old playing junior hockey against grown men, especially this wow. year, you know, junior hockey. And he, so and he almost shut
2: out the first place team. Yeah. <laughs> that was like wow, what his great
1: wow, oh yeah. for was just shut. He was Aberdeen's first loss of the year. So probably a couple months ago. <laughs> and that was like, it ties right into what you're saying where like, you know, he showed up to the rink that day and it wasn't like he probably did anything different. If I'm guessing, I'm assuming that he no, right, went about no. his business like he always did. And then he had his stuff that day. It's like a pitcher or a quarterback, you gotta have the shortest memory, right? Like you can mm-hmm. be elite and you can suck in back and back consecutive performances doing the exact same thing sometimes. And they do not yeah. correlate. You have to be able to just short term memory, you know, get rid mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I think like that, that really, when, when a kid is able to do that, that really speaks to me, you know, as yeah. a coach, like, man, they're able to just, okay, whatever, throw it away. What was, uh, I think is the Bennington stat, right? Like when they won the cup a couple of years ago, he oh, was like absolutely busting after he got yanked. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, that's a guy, you know, like, okay, he had a rough one. I'm playing him the next night because yeah. when a coach, responded with him struggling by giving him support and starting him the next night, what did he do? He, he, won. His, his, he won and he killed it. So what does that show you about his mentality, right? Him as a human being, when yeah. he's met with support in the face of adversity and he gets that support from the coaching staff, he's he kills it. That That boosts his confidence and he can show up the next night and kill it. That's like elite mentality, right? Whereas you see some goalies, you know, they get very woe is me and very down, and they have a rough one, and it's like game over. And then they go through, you know, a month where they're just awful because it's like, and then they're getting yanked and then they're getting thrown back in. And it's I think a certain amount of it is, is obviously like how certain people manage goalies, uh, but I think yeah. also a certain amount of it is, is us managing ourselves and understanding yeah. that like, you know, the two don't correlate. Like I said, I can have a horrible warm up and kill it. I could have a great warm up and let yeah. it first three and get yanked, especially if you were me. I'd have a great warm up and then I was on the bench after the first, you know, after the first <laughs> period, watching the rest of the game from, uh, from the bench, running the door. So, like, I think it's it's so important to understand that the mental aspect, you can call it whatever you want, mental toughness or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but just recognizing that you know some days you show up, you don't have your stuff, but that's okay. If you're willing to work and compete through that, more often than not, when you do show up, you are going to have it
2: you know? Mm. Yeah, no, I love that, man. Love that. And obviously we talked about, uh, you know, minor hockey junior, even a bit of college and and some pro. Um, but we have a bit of a new hot take rapid fire segment that I like to do with my guests. And I'm going to rattle off a a bunch of rapid fire questions and you pick either or out of the two. And then if you feel like something else, you can, uh, you can kind of mention it. And then after the rapid fire, we'll pick a few things that kind of strike your fancy. Sound good.
1: Yeah.
2: All right, buddy, let's do it. First one is wider neutral stance, talking about foot position. Neutral. Uh, Hands projected forward off your body or to the side. Forward. Uh, Straight or curved T-pushes?
1: Curved. Build that momentum, Matt Smith.
2: There you go. (laughs) Shout out, Matt Smith. (laughs) Uh, Upright or or, or super crouch back position in your stance?
1: Mm, Upright.
2: On dead angles on the goal line, uh, butterfly overlap, like... uh, like Rask, where he, he, he tucks his boot inside or RVH? Mm,
1: mm, Uh Overlap. <laughs> how
2: about when you, uh, how about when you go into RVH? do you go shoulder overlap outside post or shoulder lined up alongside it?
1: Shoulder lined up.
2: Nice. Uh, should you challenge or stay deep on point shots with traffic? Yes or no?
1: You got to confront the traffic. Get your toes at the top of the crease.
2: Should you look under or over through screens?
1: Wherever you can find a sideline, wherever.
2: Uh, top hand over under when goalies play the puck. Over. All right, man. So let, let's hear a few there. Obviously, I, I, you know, I, I love the 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 straight and curved. Do you see that video I posted on uh, Instagram?
1: I don't know if I did.
2: Oh, too bad. I I, I so I posted. It was a Mythbusters video, and uh, it it was just showing the you know the fastest line, and it's. And, and truth be told, there is gravity there, but it was just incredible to see, you know, the the wide spectrum of opinions in the post asked everybody engaged with the post and said, Hey, curved or straight T push. I think you I know, did see and that. I, and I, I do know Sharma, now yes. I saw Yeah, that. yeah. And it, it kind of you know, it, all the salt came out from everybody. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Which was funny, but uh
1: even what? at don't even at me. Don't even at me, whoever you are. You know who you are. You're about to at me for saying this. Angle before depth 100% of the time, always. Right. You have to. I don't care if the kid is five feet tall. Like the net is only, you understand the net is only three feet, seven inches tall from the top of the circles, right? Yeah. That's the geometry of the net. So depth does not really matter on in-zone plays. It does in certain circumstances. Don't talk to me about your nine-year-old. He got scored on high because his toes were at the top of the crease and you want him to come four feet out. Like I get it. Okay, so then he'll make that save, but then five years from now, I got to teach him how to play in the crease because the shooter's just going to look at him and go back door. Like, So right. to me, like, depth is so situational and so yes. dependent upon the read that, like, you have to teach kids, and I, because I used to be the total opposite, trust me. So I used to be, this is one of those things I scrapped when, like I said, when right. I threw away the book a couple of years ago and relearned mm-hmm. how to teach goaltending all over again, like, You have to teach kids long-term skills. So even if it's not paying off right now, this second, them understanding how to do an angle before depth push on a weak side pass or like on a low to high, right? Like long-term when they do get bigger and they are stronger and their hands are better, like that's going to pay off so much more than teaching them a straight line push now, where they're maintaining depth or maybe they're more aggressive because that's what's working right now, this second. Again, who cares about wins and losses in in 10-year-old hockey? I'm teaching them long-term, long-term development. So that's why Mm. I'm pretty insistent upon that. Now, when might you straight line push something, whether it's a T-push or like a slide, when you got to attack? There are times where you see like a Braden Holpe where he just like does that rolling stop all the way out to the hashies and just throws a windmill. Mm. Like there's a time for that. You got to just, that's a read. There's somebody in the slot and he doesn't like whoever it is. And he's like, I don't, I don't like that. This guy's about to shoot this puck, so I'm just going to come eight feet out and hope it hits me. Mm. Right. Versus there are times when you've got to recognize, okay. Like maybe like a power play, for example, you're on the PK. Like I can't over challenge this. I can't straight line push this. I've got to just play in a little triangle and just do my best to maintain and maybe play a little bit more conservatively. Um, Yeah. So I think in general, got to go with, the with the angle before depth pushes.
2: Yeah, no, I I like that. I I think you said that really well, that I think everybody thinks it's like one or the other when it's really not. And I think that even with the curve, people think it's like a U when it's really just like a slight angle, right. To, to just help yourself a little bit more, right. Uh, pick up that angle versus depth first. And I'm a small guy. So I, I obviously I want as much depth as I can. And I've kind of been using this concept for a long time because, um, the philosophy I have for positioning is, you know, and I'm sure it's a lot of other people, right? But it's center square challenge in that order, right? If I'm center first, then I I don't need to. I'm in the middle of the net. The puck's cutting me in half, right? That's better than being square, right? Because if I'm square but I'm in the corner, then obviously the whole net's open, right? And then if you're square, you utilize the idea of box control, which, um, you know, was kind of uh, 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 yeah. coined by Justin Goldman at the GGR. Um, and then the third thing would be depth. So that's kind of why in my head, it, it, it makes sense because yeah. that's, that's my positioning philosophy. Depth comes last. And even from, you know, you, you get to the next level too. And, and there were, there were guys that, that reached out to me and said, Hey, at the next level, you can't take a curved line because you're giving the guy both sides in the net, which I don't think, you know, they're like, Oh, if Patrick line is in the slot, You have to take a straight line to force him to like the outside of your body as you're moving out. And I'm like, well, if you give Patrick Liney the whole far side, he's going to hit it every day of the week.
1: You know? So. Who said that and why are they thinking so much? That's so much over. Well,
2: you know, and I think I'm going to keep that confidential for. That's
1: fine. I'm just saying, why are they thinking so much? Like, Patrick Patrick Liney's in the (laughs) slot. I'm just trying to get my feet set and hope it hits. If Patrick Patrick Liney is in the (laughs) slot. Whose guy is that? Who left him all alone in this lab? We we'll go back to blame. That's him. one of those right?
2: where you're like, okay, this isn't on me, boys. Whose
1: guy is that? Who gave up this pizza? Let me just please God, set my feet and hope he misses because his shot is so hard; it's gonna hurt if it hits me anywhere in the shoulders. Like what is a hundred percent the way I'm I'm teaching yeah. that?
2: But you know, it's 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 kind of just like, and I and and I want to make this clear, right? Because I think people, I brought up the conversation just to strictly start the conversation within the community just say you know um i think that there's 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 a lot of benefits to having some type of hybrid uh where you know so, like you said where that weak side where you have to come all the way across the crease that's a very very clear situation where you're not going to take a straight line or you're not really going to get in position when you're going face off dot to face off. for sure right. versus yeah. like a
1: strong side low to high like it's basically a shuffle if you do it right it's yeah. a, it's a eyes first and it's a shuffle depending on how big you are and it is more of a straight line so I guess yeah. it just in, in general, right. I, I think it's, we could talk about this for hours. Like it's situational, it's situational, oh, for sure. it's situational but in general, I think you have to teach kids how to build, how to, you know, kind of drift back all in one piece and push through the yeah. crease because, you know, especially when they're younger, they're not going to get all the way there. You're not going to beat the pass. You don't have the power, but if they're in the way, they can gain a little bit of ice at the last second and get hit. That was always mm-hmm. the way that it made sense to me is, well, at least if I'm square. I can gain at the last second. I can like forward release. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus if I'm like, if I push straight across the top of the crease and the entire short sides open, well, that's where all the available net that is anyways. Why do I want to give the mm-hmm. guy the entire short side? I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I think just understanding goes back to like you said, understanding coverage, right. Understanding your reads mm-hmm. and understanding the situation and, and, the, the you know the joke what you said but i mean again like if it's patrick line or if it's a high-end goal scorer you might play that differently like i know this kid is ripping yeah. this high glove i just know it so i'm just gonna get there and i'm gonna do my best right that comes to reading the player right and that's yeah i think the last little piece of that is
2: yeah that comes out a, when you kind of get to that next level right for sure yeah uh and, and another one you kind of said Uh, that I also love talking about is, is this idea of, uh, of traffic dealing with traffic. How do you deal with that?
1: You gotta get your toes to the top of the crease. You gotta get your feet set hard. Like do not roll out there casually. Like somehow the person at the point does not see you taking your sweet time, get to the top of the crease and confront, make contact with the guy that's there. Don't have to, you know, cop check him, but like, put your hand on the low back, right? Establish a sight line. If it's on the strong Mm -hmm. side of the ice, you got to try to look short side. That's where all the net is, right? D are going to, they're going to get what? To maybe the, the dot lane before they get confronted. So if you're taking the middle sight line and you're deep, you're giving up the entirety of what they have to shoot at, particularly if they're on their, you know, if they're on their strong side, like if it's a lefty pulling it off the wall and his stick is towards the wall and you're taking the middle, the middle lane and you're deep, you're toast. You're going to get ripped short side every time, like Mm -hmm. get out, confront. Get your hand on the low back. Use that for distance, like a jab, right? That's your distance Mm -hmm. hand. Keep your stick down. Or if you're like a little bit taller, you want to look higher, right? You can have your hands up. You can do that kind of base, Carey Price, Connor Hellebuck stance where they're standing up Vasilevsky, right? You see them looking tall, tracking short side. I think it's a lot harder to hit a far side shot through the screen, especially if you're at the top of the crease. So much easier to do a little far side shift through traffic than mm-hmm. it is to try to shift back against a grain short side. And then you're outside the post, right? You shift back into a short side, save, and now you're outside the net. It hits somebody. Mm-hmm. Now you're chasing back in the middle. Like, I think it's it's almost like a consequence thing, right? Where if you just play yeah. it simple, get your toes to the top, establish the sight line, preferably on the short side. But obviously if the guy's on the short side, or maybe the defenseman's stick is closer to the middle of the ice, well, then obviously you got to switch your sight line, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're at the top of the crease, even pucks you don't see are going to possibly hit you. Whereas yeah. if you're maybe playing back, I mean, unless you're six, eight, like unless you're six, six, whatever. Okay. Play mid crease. Fine. We're not, don't even, don't listen, turn it off. I'm not talking about you. Right. Like, <laughs> but for the rest of us who are, you know, vertically challenged Aren't
2: or vertically gifted, yeah, or exactly. we're just,
1: or we're just normal. Maybe their average height, six, two, six, three. I think you still got to get your toes somewhere near the top of the crease. So you're yeah. closer to the traffic because better things happen when you're closer to the traffic. If you're mm-hmm. too far back off the traffic and it gets blocked, now you can't see. You got to recover. You got to probably gain depth while you're recovering. And at that point, the puck might already be moving laterally again and now you're chasing the game around, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So for
1: me, that's mm-hmm. I'm pretty stringent on. That's one of those things where we talked about earlier, like I'm kind of I'm getting soft again i'm going back to being like oh hey what works for you this is one of those things where a kid does it in practice i'm like no you do it this way please just do it this way (laughs) please just listen
2: well that you know what and and i and i'll feed into that that that's just you know you need that at the next level like you know i you know talking about how i was a small guy that was that was a big thing for for just me was learning how to deal with traffic learning how to deal with tips screens because it doesn't matter if you're smaller or bigger like they expect you to stop those shots so i had to kind of develop the system which was um, probably a little more aggressive than most people, right? You say get toes top of the crease. I actually like to go a little bit further yeah. and then, and then I really like to work on my depth speed. So if I'm like, if I'm going to be out, out there, you know, right up against like maybe the tip guy or whatever. Um, and the reason I like to do that is because like you said, one, it, it helps you kind of see around players, right? Like imagine a player is right up against you. How easy it to see around him versus sure. like, if he's at the, uh, the faceoff dot, right? Um, And then the same thing, if if any tips or anything happen, if you're playing deep, like there's no way that you're going to, you know, you you might, you might get lucky making a few like nice ones, you know, you're like, wow, I got, I just got the tip of my knob on that or something. But oftentimes it's, you know, the, the puck's just going way too fast. You're not really going to be able to react to it. Right. Um, So that's kind of my system and, 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 you know, talking about that short side that at, at, you know, when you get to junior, when you get to college, when you get to pro, a lot of D are looking for that, right? They're looking for you to to give to to come off that short side a little bit early. And actually, we we chatted about. It reminds me of that that diagram I posted about kind of coming off the half wall there. And it, it's almost like the same concept when the D's walk in the blue line a bit,
1: right? It is. It is essentially the same concept for me. It's it's zones, right? Like if, particularly if a D has their stick toward the boards, right? Like they're pulling it off the wall, and they're not going to get all the way to the middle unless maybe you're on the PK, like in most right. defensive schemes, you start right. to talk about tactics. You're going to get to the neutral zone face off dot before they have some kind of pressure forcing wow. them up into the neutral zone or trying to force yeah. them back down the wall because yeah, right. everybody knows you don't give up shots in the middle of the ice, right? The house, the yeah. home plate, whatever you call it. So mm. I think as a goalie, if you understand that and you just have the patience and the wherewithal to stand there and wait a little longer than you might want to, that D is going to do something with that puck. They're either going mm-hmm. to stop and go away from the traffic back toward the wall. They're either going to roll to the middle and hit the the winger who's rolling up the wall. Who's now taking their lane, right? Power, typical power play flank. Everybody does it. Edmonton does yeah. it. McDavid scored a disgusting goal uh, in the playoff uh, bubble, right? Where he came yeah, outside yeah. the zone and then got it on the flank and just absolutely ripped it bar on somebody. And I'm pretty sure they were looking the wrong way through the screen. They were looking to the <laughs> inside and he went short side high. Like yeah. to me, there's so many plays that are built off of just understanding, like there's a funnel zone in between the dot and where the neutral zone dot is mm. where 90% of the, your shots are going to come from on both sides. Hopefully 89% mm-hmm. 80, 80 of your shots are coming from there. Those couple of angles, those two angles, whatever they are. And then hopefully your team is not getting up a ton of stuff from home plate. So if you understand how to play that and you understand that funnel zone, you're going to make a ton of saves because you understand that most plays are generated. Most offensive schemes are centered around creating plays in the soft area. And this is all stuff. Like I didn't learn this as a goalie coach. I learned this from watching Brian Ralston teach. Like I'm sitting there watching him and Kenny, him and Kenny Ryan. Yeah. Kenny Ryan's our skilled guy at Ralston hockey Academy. Um, Second round draft pick. No big deal played with Jack Campbell, Cam Fowler, one of them cup, like pumping his tires a little bit. What's up, Kenny? (laughs) Um, But like part of me as a goalie coach, my development as a goalie coach was, was watching these guys teach scoring.
0: Mm. And it's
1: all about trying to create plays into that soft area, the spot between Mm. the inside hash mark and the slot where everyone knows you want to get to and the dot on whatever side, whether that's strong side or weak side. Right. And when you look at a guy like Matthews, it's where he scores almost all his goals. He'll get open late Marner, right. They get open in that soft area and he's got that patented pull shot, right. He'll come in down his uh, strong side. Right. And then he catches that puck and he's got that disgusting pull where he pulls his hands in and like, he could go far side. He could go short side. And all it is, it's on his stick for a second. Arthur Kaliev scored that goal. Um, sorry, over Canada in the world juniors. Um, I believe it was over (laughs) Canada. Um, so it was in like the late seconds or, you know, like yeah. uh, later in the period to kind of win it. Yeah. And um, where was he? he? He got a soft area yeah. play off the wall and it was on a stick, off his stick. And it was like the one mistake, because uh, I think that was the Canada game, right? It was Devin Levi. It was like the one yeah. mistake he made all tournament. Made.
0: Yeah. If
1: you're listening to me, don't think I'm criticizing you. I love you. You're awesome. Like, I'm not I'm not that guy. It was, like, the one mistake where he just barely pulled off that short side and Kaliev as a lefty just absolutely roofed this thing bar. Yeah. But it was there, right? Because it was just – it's the body's natural tendency. Oh, my God, the puck move left or right. I got to move left or right. Anybody mm-hmm. makes that mistake. Anybody can make that mistake anything. Anyway. So I'm not – I don't want to come across like I'm putting that on him. It's just – to me it's all the same it's almost all the same angle it's not the same exact yeah. angle we start talking about traffic and you start talking about soft area plays start talking about zone entries so many of these shots are taken from similar areas because of the way defensive schemes are planned we we don't want to yeah. give up shots from the middle of the ice so as a goalie you've got to learn that and adapt that into your tactics right and i think yeah. part of being a goalie is studying the game understanding like you know like hey I know guys are going to try to get open here. And so when that happens, I got to be here top of my crease, whether that's through traffic, no practicing, looking on the short side, practicing, looking high. When do I switch my sight line? Do all that stuff, man. It's, I I could talk about it for hours. I I think that's the difference between uh, next level goalies is is those types of details.
2: Yeah. uh, in those soft areas, you know, those are where all the goals are scored. Right. So I, I, you know, we talk about the Patrick line, you know, the, the 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 line a in the slot right and we're like ah like we joke about it but realistically like it's your it's it's just as much your job to stop those high percentage areas as it is those those lower percentage areas and i think that a lot of young goalies out there need to take a little more pride in that and when guys are in that house area you know reducing your margin of error and in, in in those high percentage areas that's really what's going to help you get to
1: that next level right yeah, you have to have to really understand those plays are coming and, and take pride in those plays when they come in practice. Like we talked about a lot earlier, not just being like, Oh, yeah, that's never don't gonna shy happen. Away. No, it is gonna happen. And you have to be willing to eat a one timer in the soft area in practice. Because in a game, that guy is hunting for the bar, just like the guy yeah. in practice is, right? He's shooting a score in practice, he's gonna be shooting a score in a game. You gotta deal with it. It's just part of being a goalie. So
2: Yeah. Yeah, well finally, you know, um Uh, I was just wondering if you could share maybe two two hacks with us, two goalie hacks that you know you implement with your goaltenders that's helped them, you know, just time and time again stay ahead of the competition, find success.
1: Man, it's so tough. Just two things, eh? Well, I think uh, probably (laughs) go with keep it simple. Um, You know, I I think it's so easy. We talked about a ton of stuff today, right? And I think it's really easy um, to overcomplicate the game. It's easy to overthink and, and just micromanage yourself and. I think when you keep it simple uh, and I think this could tie into the next thing and play to your identity. Like you got to really know who you are, know Mm -hmm. what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are and play to your strengths understand what makes you good. Understand what, what you believe makes you good. And Mm -hmm. and when you're having success, you rely on those things, you fall back on those things. And when you're not having success, you rely on those things and fall back on those things. It, It never changes. You have to believe that your consistent approach, you know, uh, playing to your identity and keeping things simple, really believing in yourself. And, you know, these are your finding your keys to success, whatever those couple things are, like we talked about earlier with, with different guys, what their keys to success are, um, really believing and trusting in those things, that if you do those things, well, more often than that you're going to have a good night. And even on your bad nights, you're probably still doing those things. Well, it just didn't go your way. And being able to push that reset button and okay, okay. I'm, I'm getting back to my keys to success. I'm going to keep it simple. I'm playing to my identity. I think when you mm-hmm. can do those things, you build that consistency. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing. That's the biggest word that I hear talking to mm-hmm. junior coaches, college coaches, you know, uh, professional scouts, whatever it's, you have to, you have to obviously compete and be able to execute consistently at a high level as a goalie um, yeah. to, to ultimately play, you know, and, and outlast the other people that you're competing against. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, because anybody could play good one night, but can you do it all year and the next and the next and the next? Right,
1: a hundred percent. And I think that really yeah. comes from knowing your identity, knowing who you are. You know, playing to your strengths the way that gives you success. And like I said, it's not always going to go your way, but you know, if you stick to those things and you you know don't don't let that doubt creep in, just you know stick to your guns and stick to your your beliefs of what makes you you. And you just got to go be you every day. You don't got to be anybody else. You know, you don't have to be anybody else. You just got to be yourself, mm-hmm. and and that that's plenty good enough, right? So
2: yeah yeah well rob do you have any last words of advice for for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing
1: um honestly man it's probably not hockey related but i mean just having gone through some pretty major league health stuff the last you know year myself um in this era that we're all in where we're all using social media and uh you know communicating so much with people that maybe we don't know just be kind to people be cool to people like it, it's so easy yeah. to go online and rip somebody down you know tear somebody down and say For something sure. stupid or whatever cuz you're having a bad day and it makes you feel good but like mm. don't be that person be that person that lifts somebody up you know be that person that that puts makes a makes a positive comment on somebody's post be that person that sends a uh, positive Message to somebody that you don't know, you know, be that person who's willing to to reach out and say, hey man, like I, I don't know, we don't know each other, but I really look up to you. I really like your stuff. You know, I really like what you do. Because I'll tell you, like, there are a lot of days where, you know, even me as a coach, like, it, it's hard, man. It's a hard business that we're in.
2: Yeah. And for sure.
1: I, it's it's challenging, right? And I think whether you're dealing with another coach or you're dealing with a player, like nobody here's enough that they're valued and that they're appreciated. Like, I don't yeah. care who you are. Like that just makes your day better. So just be that person that makes somebody's day better. You know, one of my friends told me that in high school, be that person that holds the door open for somebody you don't know, or smiles at somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, uh, helps the, helps the lady to her car picks up somebody's groceries that they dropped. Like just be that good human being and put that positivity yeah. in the world. And I think, that to me has been something I've been trying to do more and more, just um, not from, not only from a coaching perspective, but just from a life perspective. Yeah. Uh, reminding myself, you know, how fortunate we really are um, and how precious life is and how fortunate we all are, you know, probably listening to this, to play a kid's game at a high level yeah, um, and have the opportunity to play a kid's game and, and really love it, you know, and some of us make a living playing a kid's game or coaching a kid's game. Like just take that step back and, and be that person that picks somebody else up. Because especially right now, we're, we're all going through something like yeah. we're all going, you, you have no idea what, what people are going through on the inside. And, and sometimes you're that person who drops that, you know, comment or drops that like, or it puts that positivity in the world from yeah. what I, from what I found, you get it back tenfold. You know, you do something yeah. nice for somebody because not because you're expecting something back because you actually like just want to be a good person good things tend to happen for you whether that's hockey karma the hockey gods look down on you and smile on you your next game or yeah. maybe you get a good balance somewhere else in your life you know i, I think it all comes full, full circle so
2: yeah yeah it's uh this idea of the law of attraction right mm-hmm.
1: yep exactly
2: have you heard that before
1: yes I have. yeah yeah
2: yeah I love that man i'm, I'm yeah. a obviously a big fan of it not getting too existential but you for know sure. the the, the hockey gods and everybody, the world seems to just reward the people that just, just uh, you know, put positive energy out there, pick other people up around them. It just, I don't know. It just is what it is. So, uh, you know, but Rob, thank you, man. Thank you so much, obviously, for coming on the show. Um, privilege, pr- privilege to chat. And, uh, you know, like I said, heard so many good things from, from Justin and Jack. I knew I had to get you on and uh, definitely didn't disappoint today, man. Amazing conversation. It was really awesome connecting and, and meeting you, man, having you on. So, um can, can you just let people know where they can touch the online
1: yeah I'm at coach Liddell on Instagram um at coach Liddell on Twitter um you can find a link to the website uh um through my Instagram profile I'm on Instagram most of the time that's where I post most of my videos and stuff so you shoot me a DM there or uh try to email me through there it's totally cool and uh, yeah, I'm happy to you know connect with anybody that that wants to reach out and no matter what it's for. So definitely, it's an yeah, honor right. and a privilege to do this for a living. And and yeah, thanks thanks so much for having me.
2: No, my pleasure, man. And so go check out Rob Liddell with my crease and uh, the Detroit Little Caesars. Uh, all all the links will be available in the show notes for everybody wants to connect with him. But he's made a, obviously enormous contributions to to the goalie community and his and his students alike. And um, him and his students have just experienced tons of success over his years coaching. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you.
1: Yeah, it'll be super cool anytime.
2: All right, well, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. Good luck with everything as we uh, roll into the spring. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man.
1: Yeah, I do Appreciate you.
2: Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come onto the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week I have Dusan Sidor Jr. Yes, Dusan Sidor from 10D, also known as 10D, uh, 1010D on Instagram and well-known for their incredibly athletic and, and acrobatic training regimen. And yes, I will be having him on the show to break down their training and their coaching philosophy, as well as um, you know some of their big goaltenders, including Elvis Merzlikens and his recent success breaking into the NHL. And uh, really excited to get to Sand Jr. on to, to chat some goalie development from, from all the way over in Europe and Switzerland. And I know you guys are going to really enjoy this episode as well, so make sure to tune back next week without further ado here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the goalie hacks podcast and just as a note here if you enter into this giveaway even if you don't win uh we select four winners a month and and that includes books uh different products training products uh neurotracker subscriptions we give away all sorts of things we pick four people a month and even if you don't win uh one month you're always entered into uh the the future the future giveaway so to enter the giveaway If you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.